Um, right. Hello and welcome to a, a an unexpected fun divided episode. Um, <laughs> I'm joined by Jordan. Hello. Uh, you Hello. stitching me right up from the start, are you? <laughs> oh, me and you on on a on a podcast. There's no Sam. No uh, Sam. Um, yeah, I feel like I owe the audience a bit of an explanation, Eddie. <laughs> Maybe just a little one, just a little one. Okay, so basically, let me take you through the process of Fun Filtered. Um, At the beginning of last year, we obviously, we managed, we switched over from recording on Eddie's phone to recording on microphones. Um, So what what the process has been is we have three microphones connected to three laptops, and every single laptop is recording to Audacity. We've got the same microphones, same settings on Audacity, everything like that. But because we've all got different laptops... And because technology is fucking stupid, yeah, we um, it's all of the uh, all the different recordings that we have. Even though it's the same recording of the same conversation, they're all recorded at slightly different speeds. So at the beginning, at zero point zero zero zero, everyone will be in perfect sync. But by an hour and a half, two hours later. Eddie will be like 900 milliseconds ahead. Sam will be 800 milliseconds behind. It's all completely out of sync. So what we've had to do for every single recording is I've had to basically go into Audacity, chop up the tracks, and then basically change the speed of everything so that it's all running concurrently, like side by side. It's all in sync. But that takes so long to do. And it's all had to, I've all had to do it by ear as well because sometimes the waveforms are not exactly the best uh, judge of like when the tracks are in sync. So after like nearly a year of doing that, I've said to Eddie and Sam, like I've had enough. We need to do, we need to switch over to something that's more convenient. Something where everything is just synchronized from the start. Um, So we we did that. We should stress that this is partly prompted by the fact that we have a cable or had a cable, um, which yes. sometimes didn't record properly. Long-time fun-filtered listeners would know that we've had multiple problems with audio. Um, initially with Sam, then with Eddie. It was all the result of the same cable, which was basically just not working properly. Yeah. So Eddie got himself a new cable, and I was like, right, I'll take the opportunity to switch over from Audacity to, I think it was OBS. Okay. basically like streaming software. That way, you have three microphones going into one laptop, recording to one piece of software, no reason it should be a problem, right? <laughs> so we recorded a two and a half hour podcast with no tests, no preparations. We just went straight into it going like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. And the audio was completely unusable. It was yeah. just, there were moments where like for some reason, one person would be like two seconds out of sync with everybody else, but everyone else is perfectly in sync and it would change which person was out of sync. You had moments where Somebody would be like significantly quieter than everybody else. It just made no sense whatsoever. So we're like, shit, we don't have an episode. And so in a panic, we were like, right, okay. Me and Eddie will do a will do an impromptu fun divided. Yeah. A panicked fun divided. And then Sam, because there was some that there's some stuff in the podcast that Sam didn't want to lose. So Sam is going to be doing his own special just him episode. It's going to be yes. coming out a little bit after this. So you've got that to look forward to as well, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's no a, idea it's how... a double upload. It's a double upload. We don't double think... upload. No we idea how it's going to go. Because <laughs> Sam is going to be completely unchecked. And <laughs> it remains to be seen whether that was a good idea on our yeah. part. Well... And this is um, a unique thing as well, isn't it, Eddie? Yeah. Because even though we do a podcast together, and even though 
I like just to think. don't talk. <laughs> I was going to say, at least you know, I like to think that we're very good friends. We yeah, don't we really talk. No, we, no, we are. But it reminds me, and you won't mind me talking about it, my friend Sean uh, from college, it's exactly the same. Me, me and my friend Jake, we talk like all the time. Yeah. But to get me, Jake and Sean, bearing in mind, we all went to the same college. We went on holiday together and everything like that. And I actually mm. met Sean first. Yeah. Me and Jake talk all the time, but you, me and Sean just don't like casually text or anything like that. Mm. It is always the three of us. Um, and it will be me that starts the conversation in the group chat. But he's all, me and Sean just don't talk. And he's exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, you, know, I don't, you know, I've known Sean for fucking what, three years longer than I've known you, nearly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, thought, it's, rather than how it works. <laughs> um, we thought rather than actually starting to talk to each other properly like friends, it's like oh, we'll we'll come, we'll contrive a reason. We'll we'll do a podcast we'll do together. A podcast. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. Know, <laughs> so I mean, we don't have to. No, like, but the, just... the thing the the thing with it is though, like you've got me and like me and Sam like do talk obviously, mm. but. Like, we won't discuss films outside of the podcast at all anymore and stuff like that. No. So half the things we used to talk about are just out the window. Yes. Like, that is just completely gone now. That's like a weird side effect of doing a podcast. Because the reason that we wanted to do one... Um, I mean, this was... It, this is a weird case because Funfield had sort of emerged from the carcass that was an old podcast that you started on your own. Uh, the, un- um, the unscripted podcast. The unscripted podcast. And I yeah. think... The initial idea for that was that it was going to be it was integrated into a brand that you were coming up with that was to do with mental health, right? Because the very yeah. first podcast you did was about male mental health. I don't know if this is something yeah. we've covered on Fun Filter or not. Um, uh, very, I think I feel like we very briefly brought it up in the first episode to explain. Yeah, we definitely alluded to it a couple of times. Yeah. So it started out as that, but then it sort of became a more general, like whatever the hell kind of podcast, and then it sort of became more culturally because that's the stuff. Pop culture, culture, that stuff we talk about all the time. Yes. But we can't anymore because we do a podcast. So if we have a really good conversation outside of the podcast, we're like, fuck, that's content gone. Yeah. So it has kind of ruined, even though like me and Sam used to talk like all the time Mm. about like we used to meet each other like, you know, three, four times a week. We used to talk a lot. We don't feel like we can anymore because that's content that we could be using. Oh, exactly. That's completely ruined. So as a way to sort of get around that i guess we decided that again long time listeners of unfiltered will know sam doesn't like video games no he's not a fan um he can't get through a conversation of video games without either staying completely silent <laughs> or just going on about how like how much they're a waste of time and how much we don't need video games and how silly video game like the the people in the world of video games are you know the whole like um he sees the people you get at E3 who are like cringe inducing and they're trying to be like hip and trend. He thinks that's all gamers. So he just doesn't, he can't get through. He, 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 yeah, he just doesn't engage. He at can't, all. he can't, he doesn't want to as well. He can't get yeah. through video games, which is fair enough. But that does mean that I can't, like, video games is something that I, it's a hobby of mine. It's something that I keep up with quite a lot, but it's not something I can talk about on the podcast because he doesn't want to. But you play some video games, Eddie, don't I, you? I do play some video games. I've so, yeah. I've this is going to be the little get it all out of your system podcast where we talk <laughs> about video games. So when yeah. we finally get back to Fun Filtered, Sam doesn't have to put up with me bringing up Persona well, Five there, out of nowhere. I would say yeah, there was nothing funnier than finding out you discussed Persona Five yeah. with Sam without me. 
because there's no way he's just he's engaging for that properly. Yeah, so. not, just, not just any video game as well. A video game that typically I don't like. I think I said on that podcast, mm. JRPGs are just not my thing. Because yeah. I, I don't know about you. I mean, your favorite game, you've said before that your favorite game yeah. is Fallout 3. Yeah. So there is an element of RPGs at very least that I think you like. Mm-hmm. But I, when it comes to video games, I don't like video games that where um, the character gets stronger. I like video games where the player gets stronger. So, for example, in Persona 5 and basically any other RPG, there's a leveling system, which yes. means that your character is significantly more powerful at the end of the game than they are during the tutorial. Like, if you were to go up against the final boss, you'd be doing significantly less damage if you did it at the very beginning of the game as to when the game, you know, by the time you get to him at the end. I prefer games like uh, Super Meat Boy, for example, where that character, Super Meat Boy, has all of the abilities at the beginning that he will have throughout the entire game. He never gets more powerful, he never gets more proficient at the game, but you, so you, the player, you have to get better. Like that's one yeah. of the magic of the magic of that game, and a lot of games like that is you run through the first few stages, and they're pretty tricky, and then mm. you sort of you get further and you get further, and by the time you get to World Four, you've just like hit a brick wall. You're like I can't be doing with this. I'm just going to go back to the first couple of levels just to blow off some steam, and you just like they're nothing, you know? Yeah, that's what I like about games. Games where you get better rather than. Uh, the character gets better. So it's, yeah, that, that, that was sort of funny to me when we were talking about Persona 5. It's like, I don't even really like this type of game, but I yeah. can't. But Sam himself is like, oh, I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't want to talk about it. See, see I don't mind a leveling game. Like, um, I, I feel like Fallout counts as a leveling game. Yeah. You Would can... you say that's a full blown RPG or is that like. Bioshock, where it's an action game with RPG components. Oh, I mean, because it obviously it's quite open world. Yeah, I know the first couple because Fallout Three uh, was a different developer, right? Obsidian yeah, did the Fallout, first two. Yeah, Fallout Three is Bethesda. It went to Bethesda, and I think there's, I know that there's a bit of a divide in terms of the fan va- fan base between Fallout One and Two, and then Fallout Three, because I think New Vegas was also Obsidian. But it's very like Fallout Three. <laughs> but it's very like Fallout Three, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, I haven't really played the Fallout games, but I think there is a divide between one and two, and the third one. Oh, for, for sure, yeah, like yeah. absolutely, yeah. That's you wouldn't get. I don't think you would get a fan of the original Fallout who is also a fan of Fallout Three. Okay. Like, yeah, I think that would be very rare because okay. I, I mean, I don't really know one and two. Um, I came to it from three at school, mm. um, and I just remember it being the first time my dad had bought me something that was eighteen rated before I was eighteen, right, and telling me I had to hide it from my mum because she was not a fan and would not let me play it. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I did cheekily uh, hide that. But yeah, I haven't played those. But then I haven't played some like the old, like you know, Grand Theft Auto to me. I mean, I've played like San Andreas and Vice City a bit, but yeah, I think they're the ones that really... most people have played, right? Yeah, like you've got you've got games like four and five where everyone has played four and four and five, mm. um, but three as well. I think even I think that is like a game that a lot of people. That's a game that belongs to a lot of people's childhood. 
you know? Yeah. San Andreas Vice City. I assume they're like spin-offs, they're not like official I think so, yeah. They're not part of like their own installment, they kind of are, but not really. Um But you said you like what do you like about I see I see the I see the merits of a leveling system because it does kind of reward the player, even though the character is getting stronger. It's rewarding your. It feels like it's rewarding your your time investment rather than your skill. I think maybe that's why I don't like it. As yeah, much. I mean, I suppose the thing for me, like, because in terms of games that don't have that, the best example is games like FIFA for me. Okay. And with FIFA, I just don't get very much. I don't really get better at playing FIFA, so right. that just that just frustrates me. <laughs> uh, but look, no, in terms of like the leveling up, I because I like the idea of finding things that I can't unlock because I don't have the right level, so I have to go and work at it to then be able to come back and like handle like handle that. So like mm. I, the most recent thing I've been playing is Fallout Four, and uh, you know that you get into things where I mean the leveling system is different between three and four anyway. Yeah. Um, but you're getting to the point where it's like, oh, this is like the hard difficulty. And I'm in terms of like pickpocketing stuff and I'm still on like the first difficulty. Mm. Um, so it's like, OK, I can't deal with that. I can't use that yet. We'll go off. We'll try something. I'll see a different area, see what I can unlock there. Mm. And because then because I like the world that comes within the sort of Fallout games. I could, I know I will want to go back to those areas anyway. So it's like, ah, oh, that'll be something to explore when I come back to those areas. Yeah. That's another thing as well. And that's, it's not a point that, that sort of I came up with, but it's a point that I've heard that I definitely agree with. I think another problem with leveling systems is it's, it means that you can only really be in one part of the world at one time. Mm. So for example, if you end up wandering into like a, an area that you're just completely un- underleveled for, like the most basic enemy is five or six levels higher than you. You're not really going to be getting the best experience because they're no. going to be so much stronger than you. And it works the other way as well. Like in Bloodborne, for example, if you want to go back to lower areas in order to farm enemies to be to level up to go to the higher areas, if you go back to areas that you've already been through, those enemies are just they're not worth your time. Like you only you only need to look at them and they die. You know. Because <laughs> you're so overpowered in that one. So there's only like one portion of the world that you could really be in at one point rather than, oh, you could go anywhere and do anything, you know? Yeah. Whereas you've got something like an open world game like GTA, for example, like you could go anywhere mm. at any time. Whereas, yeah, with a leveling system, it feels like only one portion of the game world is really within your... It's only appropriate for you, you know, at any one time. No, that's fair. I, yeah, as I said, like I mean, I like it with Fallout. I don't know where it stands with other games. Fallout's the most obvious example because mm. it's it, it, although it's different between like Fallout Three and Fallout Four, it's one of those things which I actually like in terms of for Fallout Four because it's it's not as good a game, mm. but I like the way they've set it up because in Fallout Three, you kind of had the set things that you could improve and that would improve certain other things and help you with certain things. In Fallout Four you literally get like one perk point and that can upgrade your strength or you can upgrade like your pickpocketing. It doesn't mm. like help with both. Yeah. So you do really have to like work at getting those levels up. So I do like that for Fallout 4. Okay. So it it's does... sort of, you can, you level up as not like a leveling system would normally work, but you choose where those improvements go. Yeah. 
Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a similar thing in Bloodborne, actually, uh, and Dark Souls by extension, mm. where you can choose, like, do you want to be a more um, magic-orientated build, or do you want to focus on defense, or do you want to focus on stamina and health, and you can sort of choose where, what stats you increase at any one time, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, it's... It's not like a turn-off for me. It's not like, oh, a game has a leveling system. No, because Bloodborne is one of my favorite games, certainly on the PS4. Um, yeah. But it is probably one of my favorite games. I finished that. Dark Souls, I've, I've tried. I've really tried with Dark Souls. I've got as far as... I beat Ornstein and Smaug, which mm. I think is considered to be one of the harder fights in the game, which is about two-thirds of the way through. I'm now sort of in the final portion of Dark Souls. Yeah. I just can't. I just, I just, I can't. I'm done with it, you know? Whereas Bloodborne, um, I've three, three or four times I finished that now. I think it's a bit, I think it's considered to be a bit easier than Dark Souls, but mm. I'll happily sit through a playthrough of Bloodborne. It's Dark Souls, I just, I don't have the energy for it anymore. Genuinely don't. I mean, I, I did skip on Dark Souls. On <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's sort of like, I know that it's like, oh, the, the appeal is like you will constantly be dying all of the time and, you know, you have to push through and it that breeds frustration. But mm. there is something almost zen-like about the Souls games where you sort of, you're sort of, because you, you don't, you, obviously you don't respawn where you die, you respawn at like certain checkpoints. So if you're yeah. in, a, in the throes of a boss fight, you have to start, you don't start at the arena, you have to start like a few yards back. Yeah. So you have to fight through a horde of enemies to get to the boss, and that horde of enemies might very well kill you before you even get back to the boss fights. But there is something kind of zen-like about just sort of slowly making progress through the world, you know? Mm. I remember, like, um, it, probably within the first, like, 20 hours or so, where I was still willing to put myself through the torture, um, I just had, like, podcasts on, and I was just, like, I had those on as I was, like, running through the sewers and cleaning mm. through the enemies, and there is something zen-like about it, but I just prefer Bloodborne. I think the difference is with Dark Souls, it feels like it's more um, defensive-based. Yeah. Like you sort of have to... You can sort of create openings for yourself, but you sort of have to wait for the enemies to open themselves up to attack and then take the first possible opportunity, whether, that, whether that's a matter of like parrying enemies or like using a shield or stuff like that. Mm. Whereas with Bloodborne, it's just go go go, like kill the enemies before they kill you. It's so much faster. I don't know if you, I don't know how. Do you know much about like Bloodborne and like the Souls uh, games and I've stuff seen, like that? I've seen bits of Bloodborne. I just knew I wasn't going to enjoy Dark Souls because I was probably yeah. going to die in the long. <laughs> yes, well, that will <laughs> definitely happen. Uh, but yeah, Bloodborne they have a mechanic where if you take damage. But then you immediately t attack the enemy, you get some of your health back. So it incentivizes aggression. Okay. So it's so much faster. Because that's disheartening. If you've gotten like, if you spent 30 minutes progressing in Dark Souls and then you lose all of that progress, you can't just like charge through to where you were. You've got to go back and do all of that defensive gameplay again. So it's, you know, you still have to put the time in, even though you've made that progress. Whereas, whereas with Bloodborne, you can just power through everything. Yeah. So even though it's still like you still have to you're still being put back after you lose your you know, 
after you die, you're still losing progress. It doesn't feel like it takes as long to get back to where you were. It doesn't feel like the game is like wasting your time as much. Mm. And that's sort of how what it ended up feeling like with me for Dark Souls. It did reach the point where it felt like this is just wasting my time. This game's just fucking me about. I don't want to do it anymore. Leave me alone, you know? That's, that's yeah. I mean, I do hate... Because, like, I mean, I, I, I'm quite bad with a lot of games in terms of completing them to 100% and finding, like, all the different side okay. things. But, like, uh, the original... So, Call of Duty 4, the original Modern Warfare, mm-hmm. there are obviously things you can go and find off to the sides. Yeah. Like, the intelligence and stuff like that. And I think I've got one left. Okay. And I purposely have not played Modern Warfare since I got to that point. Okay, because I was just getting wound up, and so I what was happening was I would take Modern Warfare out, I would put Modern Warfare three in, and I would just shoot a lot of people right, on the okay. um, like battle battle mode. Uh, oh, okay, with the with the way I was going to say, like Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare three, they're essential. Like they're both shooters. It's yeah, not no, a, no, no, it's yeah. like a I fundamentally the, different experience. I go into the waves mode that's on Modern Warfare three and just shoot yeah, okay. people. Okay. Um, and sort of take my frustration out. I do that with a lot of games. I think though now, like okay. if I'm getting if I'm playing FIFA for like hours and I get annoyed, mm. I will take it out and I will put Call of Duty in the Xbox and go and shoot some people. Yeah. Um. Or I've I've done it with Fallout Four actually. I was getting annoyed at Fallout Four because um there was a death claw that was particularly hard to beat, and so I was like, nah, fuck this. And just went and shot people for like 20 minutes of Call of Duty. Right. Um, Doom you want? Have you played Doom at all? No, you've talked about Doom. I've talked about Doom. Doom Eternal as well. They're brilliant in terms of like just cathartic like mm. shooters. Um, not just because of like the violence, but I think like the difference with Doom... Because again, Doom is a game that's very aggression focused. Because yeah. you have... So you have like this arsenal of weapons at your disposal and you have like health and armor and all of this like defense, all yeah, all of these like stats that you have to keep an eye on. But the best way to get like ammunition back for your weapons and the best way to get armor and the best way to get health is to kill enemies in a certain way. Mm. So if you have like the chainsaw, for example, if you chainsaw enemies, that will drop ammo for your weapons. If you set an enemy on fire and then shoot them, that will give you back armor. So you have to, if you want to survive a battle, you can't play defensively because you'll just get ripped to pieces. So it is just go, go, go. Okay. Maybe that's the type of game that I like. I didn't... Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I, like might, might be, yeah. <laughs> really aggressive. Um, but yeah, uh, like even if you lose in Doom, just like the catharsis of like having to... of moving around so quickly and like just taking out enemies. That's... It's one... Yeah, it's definitely one of the more cathartic experiences I've had with a video game. Really, yeah. really like Doom. And the music as well. The music is just like... It's really good. <laughs> it's just insanely yeah. good. I, I, I mean, I, I, I credit Fallout Three with some of the weirder taste in music that I have. Okay. Because uh, there's oh, a band... of like like golden oldie music. Like yeah, music. The, the, yeah, the ink spots in particular and Cole Porter. Okay. Which no one who's 25 should be a big fan <laughs> of, I imagine. Really. Um. I do have a bit of a lo- weird love for Cole Porter. Like mid, he's like his character. There's a character of him in Midnight in Paris as well. Um, oh, who played him? I don't remember. 
So I, yeah, I couldn't tell you who played him, but where, where uh, does he show up roughly in the? Not, is he like a major character, or is he like uh, Dali, where he's just the he's over there? Uh, well, he's playing the piano. He's in the background. He makes a joke about how uh, the guy sounds like Cole Porter, and they're just like, "Well, it's Cole." And oh like, yeah, yeah, okay. I yeah, remember he's in the twenties, yeah. so yeah, he's yeah, in yeah. it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the Ink Spots, because obviously the main song with that was "I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire." Mm. Um. And that song, because I would hear it so often, it just got stuck in my head. And I, like, I own an album. I think it's just the greatest hits, but I own an album by the Ink Spots now. Right, okay. Um, and do very, I do listen to it quite a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some stuff like that. Um, like Bioshock, I've played... Yeah, I've played all the Bioshocks. So, like, Somewhere Beyond the Sea and that kind of music. Mm. There's a bit, like, I... It's not stuff that I go out of my way to listen to, but games can certainly, like, um, you know, like if there's a song in a video game that works for the game, it sticks with you, you know? Yeah. It, it can be a gateway into music. I wouldn't say that it's like a gateway into music, but like Sonic music, for example, like that is. I love, like, Sonic the Hedgehog music. That, like, you know, cheesy sort of. It's not, I don't know, it's not hair metal. Sam came up with the word rad rock, like uh, radical yeah, yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's like, you know, hard like he- hard rock, heavy. I don't know what I don't know exactly what the genre is for Sonic music, but that is just my favorite type of music. Mm. I don't really li- I do listen to like proper music, but I generally like I'm just listen to video game music a lot. I don't, <laughs> that's just I don't know why. It's just I, yeah, I mean, I can't, I you know, if I'm going to sit down and talk about music, this podcast is going to be a long, long podcast. I know that you're, yeah, you're sort of like, you'll listen to anything. You listen to loads of yeah, and, genres, I, and you're always I mean, up to date on music. I do have a thing now where if I'm listening to like rap music, I, I will just listen to rap music. I will no longer like have a rap song on and then go into indie or like hard rock. Like, yeah. I do, I do kind of segregate it out now. So it's like, okay, like I'm listening to, you know, I've got a rap, so I'll listen to some rap music. If I'm going to mm. listen to some pop, I'll listen to pop punk. Because otherwise, yeah, just, you know, particularly like my, my housemates will just hear music and they won't know what the fuck's going on. Like, <laughs> just like, what is he lit? Like, so do you yeah, have I, a preference in terms of what type of music you listen to? Or is I, it, ju- it is literally just anything, you know, it's just whatever I'm in the mood for. Well, Frank Turner's like the main person these days, so I guess folk punk, okay. like him and Beans on Toast, because they're like acoustic-y, right. like folky rock punk bit sort of thrown in. So I guess, yeah, probably that. Um, and and then just the ink spots sitting like the back, <laughs> just jumped in the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I do like. I mean. I, I, I do. I quite like Vera Lynn as well, which is quite bizarre. Um, <laughs> and I, I, it does. It is funny because, like, sometimes if I if I'm like in the office at work or anything, I've got headphones and someone comes in the car. Oh, what are you listening to? And I, I just like sometimes, like, sometimes they'll come in and I'll have. If I'm doing cash at work, I like having rave music on. I listen to people like Camel Fat and like right for rave music because yeah. it's because it's fast paced. Um, I feel like I get it done quicker. Mm. But if I'm just like there typing, like typing an email or anything like that, um, I'm probably listening to something a bit weird. <laughs> so yeah, that 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 sometimes like walking like oh, I'm just listening to Cosmo Jarvis, um, <laughs> the magnetic fields, 
Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely. Hang on, I gotta. I'm on my bed, viewers. I do apologize if my laptop is like moving around too much because it, it, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's balanced on like a cardboard box because my desk is not. I don't have a desk chair at the moment because my mother, like this was ages ago now, but she's got like her own like drawing room downstairs. And because at the time I had like clothing on my chair, she was like, oh, can I borrow the chair? Was like, yeah, I don't need it for anything. Yeah, you don't realize how much you like need a desk chair until it's gone. So I mean, <laughs> I'm sort of stuck like with the bed at the moment, which is why I'm balancing it on like a cardboard box. I, I mean, I... I don't have the space for it, but I want an armchair for my room, and I have a desk chair. Oh, I yeah. Really, I, I used really to want, want an armchair. Not anymore, because I don't know where I'd put it. Mm. But I used to want a beanbag. Because I had a, a... At the old house, I had a... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's not a shed. Like a summer house, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like a mini summer house. It was like a present that uh, my dad bought for me when I was like five or six or something. Yeah. Um... He's he's told the story loads of times. It's like he and his brother, my uncle, they came over the house like Christmas Eve nights to build it so that I wouldn't know that it was a present they bought. Because obviously if they built it in the back garden, I would have seen it. Uh, so I was sent up to bed early because it was Christmas Eve. They went outside. They built this summer house in like pouring rain, driving wind. <laughs> it was like the it took them like three nice. times longer than it should have to build because of the just furious conditions outside. Um, Christmas morning comes. I come downstairs. I open all of my presents. They're like, we got one more present for you, Joel. They take me out of the into the back garden. They show me the thing and I go, ah, okay. And then I just go back and like start playing with some of my other presents. My dad was like, bastard. <laughs> I get all night build. And I think I went out there like once or twice the whole time we were there. I feel bad for it now in retrospect. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But I had like bean bags in there, in, yeah. uh, in that little summer house. Um, well, when I moved into this house, there was a bean bag that got left by the previous person who had the room. Okay, but it was like he'd left it clearly because it had a hole in it. So I was really annoyed because I looked, saw that and I said, "Oh, I've got a bean bag chair, cool." <laughs> and then it got left, so I just shoved it in the shed. Um, right. With because the, the shed of that garden is basically my landlord just does what he wants with the stuff. Mm. Um, and then I thought about it. I was like, oh, maybe I could just repair the hole. And I went in the shed and he just taken the beanbag and cleaned to put in another house. Right. I was like, well, that's a bit rude. I mean, okay. Well, I wanted that just because I put it in the shed temporarily. It was better you know? than you like sitting on the beanbag and just pff, all of the stuffing just like flying out onto the floor. Yes. That's true. happened to me in the past. We've had like a, a like a sort of like a, a beanbag stool. Mm. Um, and without me knowing there was a hole in it. And I sat on that and stuffing just shot out yeah. across the room. Like, oh. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, when I when I was younger, I used to hate beanbags, really mm. hate them. And I it was only because I worked when I worked in a uh, play scheme for the uh, one of the care jobs I did. Mm. They had a sensory room with them in, and that you know because they were like they're supposed to be like nice for just relaxing on. Mm. And I used to spend so much time in that sensory room, just not for the, <laughs> not for the people I was supporting. You know, I was like, yeah, come in the sensory room. I want to sit down. <laughs> yeah, you know? beanbag. Why? Uh, why did you hate beanbags then? I don't know. I, I don't know what it was like. Because I, I mean, I wasn't when I grew up. Like my dad used to have. I don't know how. I mean, I don't want to. It's called, it's a puff basically, mm. and he had that for the the sofa. I used to like sitting on that rather than the sofa, and then he he had like a chair 
which would like you could rock back and forth in. and i used to hate that for like a period of time then loved it and then yeah beanbags just kind of fell into this category of i just found them weird and didn't really know what to do so i just didn't like them right um i think because they just you could move them into different positions and i didn't like that just sort of weirded me out <laughs> right okay um, is, it in, in, in is it solid i don't know as yeah an in, in, insight into my childhood and how much of a weirdo i really was couldn't <laughs> comprehend the beanbag yeah was like, it a, was it a beanbag that the master had in like classic who or was it like a like a um it's not, it wouldn't be jelly but it was like that you know those like chairs they had in the 80s where they were almost like a gelatin like yeah i know what you mean it was it one of those or was it a beanbag he had i don't know i feel like it not i don't feel like it was a beanbag no it might have been a jelly a jelly yeah. chair. my mother when back when doctor who came back my mm. parents were pitching the show to me he's like oh you should watch doctor who and i was like no they were like, no no no, it'll be good um he's like no i want to watch thomas the tank and that's that mm. but they're like no doctor who is good and they she said that like she used to be terrified of the master's jelly chair because he used to be like oh come and take a seat in my chair and it just used to like swallow them up it used to be terrifying i'm sure it wouldn't be now looking back at it no but yeah i mean yeah i mean if you watch the exorcist now it's not quite got the same effect it had when it came out no no um so, same with like psycho really i mean I'm, i am a fan of psycho but it's just it's not the same anymore well we watched um a bit of a spoiler i guess this uh the halloween episode that we're going to be doing we're going to be talking about hill house and bly manor which i've started watching today which you started watching today um mum showed me the in preparation we, I, I mean we'd seen hill house at this point this was kind of in pseudo preparation for bly manor i think it was just because she wanted to show us the film we watched the Haunting, which was 1940, 1930, 1940, 1950, one of the 19s. It's, um, it's an old one. It's, a, it's an old one, yeah, black and white film. Obviously, it was the first adaptation of uh, what became The Haunting of Hill House. And, like, you know, it's they, it, they, those types of films, they have, a certain, they have a certain charm to them, and they also have a certain, like, um, I don't know, like, texture to them. They feel like... Even though they're incredibly dated, and a mm. lot of the techniques that they use, we've kind of moved away from. Like it, it feels yeah. more like a, it feels almost more like a theatre piece than a film. A lot of older films feel. Apologies, a lot of older films feel a bit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was like a fairly decent watch. I was like, yeah, this is you know, it's it, it it has aged, but it, there's still something to like about it. Even though you can you see like the edges watch. of the set like sh- vibrate, you know, yeah. whenever they go near them or something like that. Uh, you, you need to watch Nosferatu. 1922. I might. Somebody lent me a list of like, you know, in university, they were like, um, it was like a box set of like, you know, the greatest black and white films or something like that. I think that was in there. Yeah. Casablanca was in there. Yeah. Um, uh, what else was in there? Like films of uh, Gone with the Wind was, was that black and white? Or was that color? Oh fuck! I don't know. It might have been in, the, in there, just as like, oh, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch the box set because I didn't like him. Because it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a. No, no, it wasn't like a. Oh, you know, um, I've heard you talking about these films, so I thought, hey, here you go, it's something you might mm. like. It was a, you need to educate yourself. Here are black and white films you should watch. Like, oh, all right then. Yeah. I did. I just didn't. <laughs> just didn't watch them. Well, it's, it's like I was talking to Sam because I've just bought Blade Runner. And I was okay. asking him which version of Blade Runner I should get. 
Oh few, yeah, there's like ninety different versions. Yeah, or something. and he yeah. went, oh, I think the final cut is the one that you go with these days. And I was like, yeah. that's cool. I'll just get that. Uh, it was the easiest one to find. Mm. Um, but I didn't realize he's not a massive fan of it. I just kind of in my head, I just assumed that Sam would be a fan of Blade Runner. I mean, I wouldn't just because Blade Runner is. Um, it's 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 almost atmospheric Blade mm. Runner, isn't it? There's not a lot going on. It 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 you, it you watch it for the the sort of craftsmanship of it. Oh yeah, and I know that Sam has long since moved past that phase of his life when it comes to film. Because as we've said before, the problem with Sam is he watches literally everything. He does. So it's reached the point now where he watches so much stuff. That stuff that not like ordinary people would look at and go, oh, this is great. Sam will go, yeah, it's fine. Because he watches so many films that are like 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, that's become the new normal for him. So you need something like Parasite for him to acknowledge, like, oh yeah, this is good. Yeah, which is but, scary going into him when we do get around to reviewing Tenet. Scary going into him? No, no, so it's scary going into the, the review of Tenet with right, him. Right, okay. Um... Because I have pointed out, I, me and him had a brief conversation the other day, in which I I didn't didn't like give away loads, but I sort of gave basic opinions, mm. um, and he didn't seem that impressed. And I was like, well, I'm gonna right. buy it. That was like my basic <laughs> review. Was I'm gonna buy it, and then it was like, um, to, you know, just talking about little things. It's like okay, and I was like, he's not gonna like it. I don't, <laughs> I, re- I really don't think he's gonna like it. Yeah. Um, but we shall see. We shall see, and obviously, we will do a proper review of that once we've all seen it. Yeah, we'll get yeah. round to it. We haven't forgotten about, it. like you know, we do a film podcast. We didn't do Tenant. We haven't forgotten about it. We will yeah. get round to well, it. Well, I, I did get asked. A friend of mine um, who listens was mm. like, "You guys haven't reviewed Tenant. It's the only <laughs> film out." <laughs> yeah. We're like, "We know," <laughs> but I'm the only one that's actually seen it. Yeah. No, uh, we will get round to it. Yeah. Um, I know it's sort of like we've moved away from video games a little bit, but like you said that um you didn't you you were surprised that Sam wouldn't like Blade Runner. Mm. And yeah, I think it's a fairly uh, Sam will confirm it, I'm sure, but I think it's a fairly comfortable assessment that Sam is more he's less bothered by the craftsmanship of a film. Obviously that's still important, like that still contributes to a great experience overall. Yeah. Parasite is an incredibly well crafted film. But I think he prefers films just like on well for the writing, yeah. Like he prefers film, like he prefers well-told stories on a like a writing level as opposed mm. to films that are very well put together. Um, where do you think? Where are you at in terms of what kind of films you like? Um, I am going through a weird. I'm trying to watch a lot of in- international films phase. Yeah. Because that was one of the discussions that we lost. You watched Climax, didn't you? Yes. French, yeah, Gaspar Noé, French film, which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not... Um, it's great, like, in its own it, way. Yeah, I it's really, great, really... but it's intense as fuck. Yeah, I think it's, like, the type of film you watch once, and then you don't need to see it again. No. You know? <laughs> like, I, you'll remember it. But you for don't some reason, I do really want to buy on DVD. And oh, I don't yeah, know I definitely... why. I'd want to own it, but like the only reason I would ever go back to Climax is if um, I was watching it with somebody else. Just like, I want to watch a film. Oh, well, I'll, you know, someone I don't <laughs> like that much. It's like, oh, do you want to watch Climax? It's good, I promise. See, for me, yeah, like the only reason I'm probably watching it again is if someone who's like into that kind of film is like, 
well, what, what's this? But then I would assume anyone that's into that kind of film has probably seen Climax. Yeah, or might know it by reputation. Yeah. But then again, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I've heard much about it. I found it basically completely by accident. So I, I mean, don't know I how... I found it because Sam put it on a recommended list. Yeah, so, so I don't know how well known it is. Yeah. But yeah, I feel that, like that's a bit of a... You need to be sort of eased into film. You certainly need to be eased into international film before you watch Climax, I think. Yeah. Well, you it's know. not a film that you jump straight into at all. No, and neither is... Because um, I watched Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, with, right, okay. Um, I was like, ah... That's another one by the, uh, the Studio Ghibli. Um, you know, I like some of their films. Let's watch that. Oh, okay. Right. Isn't it, like, depressing as fuck? Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's, it's not a film you watch if you're sad. No. It's not a film if you watch I if think, you're sad. I think that's why I haven't watched it yet. Because that was on my list. Yeah. There's a bunch of anime I still have. Like, anime films. I still, I still haven't seen Akira. That's been on my list for years. Mm. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies was another one. But I knew that by reputation. I was like, okay. Yeah. I might, I might hold off on that one. Well, I, well, I only heard about it because of um, I was looking at them up on Amazon, and that was like one of the main ones. that's like this, and I was like, oh, I don't know that. And then he was, he's obviously on Netflix now, mm. and I was, I like, so I was like, ah, go on then, give me a. And <laughs> um, didn't pay attention to a trailer; just knew it was, it had was like yeah. a war, war based thing. I was like, yeah, let's give it a go. Like war films, um, <laughs> yeah, no. No, <laughs> okay. really good, brilliant film. I was gonna, I was gonna say, Depressing is it at least fuck. good? Like, is it at least oh, at yeah. least worth I... putting yourself through that misery? Is oh, there a 100%. good film? Underneath and it? I will be honest, I will, I will watch it again to put, I will put myself through it again. Okay, um, but not for a while. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, I've just come off recovering from a health issue. Uh, this is probably not <laughs> the best time to be watching. Yeah. Depressing as fuck film and a film about a bad LSD trip. Yes, uh, which Climax is, I should yeah, say. Like if anybody hasn't seen that film, that's Climax is. basically um, what it is. Should we go back to video gazing? Because <laughs> that's what okay. this is meant to be about. Um, okay. Let's go back. I tell you what, let's start with first console. Let's do some actual, like, answer some questions, kind of. Okay. This is what meant, Fun Divider is meant to be. We're meant to ask questions. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, first console. First console. Uh, first one that I owned or first one that I played? Oh, go with played. Go with played. Okay, because if it's the first I played, it was my dad's old Sega Mega Drive. I think that was my first. Yeah, that was my first one. Sonic, the original Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that was yeah. my first ever video game. It was either that or um, Space Invaders from PS1. Okay. It was like a like a remake at the time. I think I might have. Sorry, hang on. Oh, oh he's going to find it. What? That one. Fuck me, that is old as well. Yeah. This is going to be completely useless to the people who are listening on. I just realized, because we're looking at each other through video. <laughs> oh yeah, shit, this does come out on And this is going up on YouTube, but it's also going out on Spotify and iTunes. So I apologize. <laughs> okay, for, Spotify, for the audio listeners, he's just held up his copy of Space Invaders on PlayStation 1. Yeah, so it was either that, again, sorry, um, or it was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for Sega Genesis. But the Sega Genesis was my first one. First one I owned that was mine... Uh, was the PS2. That was the first one that I owned. Okay. 
What about you? What was your uh, uh, again for you? First one you played, first one you owned. Uh, so I think in terms of owned, I think again, I think the PS2 is mine. Okay. But we had a Nintendo 64 as a house. I think it was my sister's though, officially. Right. Okay. Um, so the first one I would have played was the 64. Um, and it would have been, I, I mean, it's my, it's not, did I play Banjo first? So I, I played Mario, Banjo and, uh, Goldeneye in short times after each other. Right. Okay. So I can't remember which one I played first, but I do have a weird love of Banjo Kazooie, even though I haven't played it in absolute donkey's years. Banjo Kazooie or Banjo Tooie? uh we had both right okay um but yeah I, I just like the character i just like the way it looks yeah oh yeah i like those games i'm sure have a certain appeal i've never really i well i own a nintendo switch in all but actuality because my sister i think she was playing the long game here so what my sister did is last christmas just before last christmas we'd gone out for like a christmas meal um back when you could leave the house uh, before before 2020 happened yeah we went out for a christmas meal um and my parents was like oh so what do you want for christmas and i'm terrible when it comes to suggesting presents because there isn't really anything i want or at the very least there isn't anything i want that like isn't like easily you know i would want like oh if a new console came out so, like i would want that or i would want like a new pc or i would want like they're expensive gifts yeah it's not just like you know oh i want this book or i want like nothing like that so I never really have anything to ask for when it comes to Christmas. Um, but my sister was like, are you interested in the Nintendo Switch? Like, yeah, I suppose. There's only like one or two games. Because at the time, I think you could only get Cuphead on the Switch. Okay. Or, does, or it had just been ported to the Switch. Because originally it was Xbox One exclusive. Um, so I was like, yeah, there's like one or two games I'd want on the Switch. But yeah, I suppose, it, yeah, I wouldn't mind a Nintendo Switch. Thinking like it was just something she was bringing up as like a anything please anything um so christmas came there's a nintendo switch there for me it's like oh okay that's a genuine surprise i wasn't expecting that yeah so i bought like a couple of games for it um like i bought cuphead i bought like marble blast ultra i think i bought for it <laughs> you laugh it's it, like i genuinely like that oh, game. it'll be it'll be absolutely class i imagine yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah it's one of those games where it's like it's focused entirely on its gameplay. There's nothing else around it. There's no like story. There's no real like um, music or level design. Like all of that stuff is just kind of placeholder. It's literally just we made like good gameplay and that's it. Mm. Sport that, bought Cuphead, bought like a couple of other games for it. March rolls around, Animal Crossing comes out. George, yeah. Yeah. can I borrow your Nintendo Switch to play Animal Crossing? But yeah, okay. Um, I mean, we'll have to figure out like a system. She was like, "Oh no, it's fine. I'm probably gonna. I'm not gonna play that." She's put like 400 hours into Animal Crossing. Oh, <laughs> uh, at, at this point, too many people have. I haven't seen my Nintendo Switch since like April. Mm. I, I I had it back for like one evening to play just Shapes and Beats, and then she took it back from me, and I haven't seen it since. Christ. And I know I'm not getting it back anytime soon because they're doing like an like a Halloween thing at the moment. So God yeah. knows if I'll ever get it back. Um, my point being, though, other than the Nintendo Switch, I 
I've never really owned any uh, Nintendo consoles. We owned the Wii, but that was like the house console, you know? Yeah, the Wii, the Wii was the house console for me too. Yeah, so Nintendo 64, Nintendo, GameCube, I've never really, I've never owned any of those. So that sort of generation of games I completely missed out on, you know? Yeah, well, Gold, GoldenEye, I mean, GoldenEye is my favourite from that console. Okay. Um, I think it's probably my favourite Bond game ever. See that really surprises me. Maybe it's just the the modern um, sort of stigma that movie tie-in games have, but mm. it really surprises me that GoldenEye is not just like well regarded, but it's considered like a must-have. If you have a Nintendo sixty-four, hell, if you don't have a Nintendo sixty-four, still get have one. The game. Yeah, get, get yeah. one just to play GoldenEye. So I I don't know because it's, it's, I've never touched GoldenEye, so I have no idea like how it feels to play, what it's like. So I trust that it's good, but it's weird oh, yeah, to it's, me. It's really good. It looks it's so shit. well regarded. It yeah, looks yeah. shit. Um, yeah. But I think most games did back then. In yes. comparison to now. Yeah, um, definitely, yeah. Although, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't really like some of the modernised takes on things. Such Just, as? Well, I feel like Banjo-Kazooie, for example, doesn't look quite the same anymore. And that, like, it's not no. bad, but like, they've, it's like a slight moderni- modernization. And it kind of just pisses me off that they they'll make the edits. Like, it's not with everything, mm. but it it does piss me off at times that like the edits you sort of look at it and go, well, it's like you've gone for the same thing, but you've just changed it. Like, I suppose, um, like if they'd have gone ahead with the original Sonic they were going to use for the Sonic film. Yeah. Like, there's just no need to change. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Oh, uh, we've, ta- we've, we've, we've talked that subject to death. Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there's a whole uh, section of, uh, I think it was episode 14, part two, where I said, like, this is my opinion on the Sonic design. This is why I think it's bad. Mm. This is why I think it's not, like, you know, there are some people who are like, you know, oh, don't change the thing I like. But there are a lot of people like, no, this just genuinely doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah, that's a topic that we've we've we've, we've, we've done to death. We've done to death. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, sixty four and uh, Goldeneye. Um, big fan of Banjo. Big fan of Mario. I can't remember what other games we had. Okay. Um, I feel like I feel like I sp- played Spyro as a young kid, but I can't remember if that would have been on the sixty four or not. That I think that's PlayStation One only. I don't think that ever made it to the PlayStation One then. In which case, yeah. I would have played it on... Because I feel like... I don't remember owning a PlayStation 1, but I remember playing PlayStation 1 games. Okay. So I'm assuming you could just do them on the PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, PlayStation yeah. 2 was backwards compatible. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. And that, that's exactly what I remember. Because we had... I remember having Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone... Right. Um, ...for the PlayStation 1, which we played on PlayStation 2, which, again, graphics were horrific. Oh, yeah. Horrifically bad. Famously was bad, yeah. Kind of fun to play, um, <laughs> and yes, we definitely had a Spyro game. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, you get to sort of PlayStation Two, and things do go up a level. Yeah, I think for me, PlayStation Two to Three is still the biggest leap in terms of uh, graphical fidelity. Mm. Like I remember, I went into there was a, a gaming shop in Pontypridd called. Oh, I had it. I knew what it was until I needed to say it. 
I'm, I, I, I'm just impressed Ponty had a decent shot at the time. <laughs> I think I it was called like Power Games. Again, sorry, I'm going to have to move. Because um, yeah. that's the other thing with Fun Divided is they're, they are literally completely unedited. So you got to enjoy my like bed with all its broken springs for a moment there. Yeah. I'm genuinely worried. Like It's reaching the point where I'll just be lying in bed and the springs will just go like up against the mattress. I'm worried I'm going to get impaled in my sleep. Have you ever considered then that for Christmas this year you might want a new mattress? <laughs> yeah, I might start for it. I mean, my, my dad literally bought part of the Christmas present for me today. Mm. Um, and it's a lamp. Like, this right. is the sort of exciting things I get for Christmas. I get a lamp and some bulbs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, if you need them, then oh, they're, mate, you know, they're precious. I, no, to be fair, uh, he's getting me a wok. And my sister's getting me a sieve, and I've never been more excited about anything in my life. <laughs> my sister, like, she for my birthday, my sister got me a surprise present. I can't okay. remember if I talked about it on this podcast or not. But the surprise present was uh, she got me uh, three saucepans. Right. And I've never been more excited to have saucepans in my life. Because I've been running off one for about the last four years. Yeah. And it's old, it's falling apart. Um, and, I, <laughs> and, like, you know, you could never do, like, Two, whereas now I can cook like a sauce in one thing, the food, and then have something else on the go. I couldn't do any of that. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I can cook like decent meals. I can't, I'm not just like relying on rice with everything shoved in kind of with it. So it's like, ah, oh, some actual, actual things. So I was never, I'm really excited. Um, and and she, I think she's going to get me some cutlery as well. So I'm quite, oh, man. like, <laughs> it's a it sound living really the life quality. Depressing, but like I'm so excited that my Christmas presents are going to be kitchen things, even though it <laughs> makes me sound about ninety. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a certain joy in in having stuff like that, but I think the real could be wrong. I think the real gift when it comes to buying someone like cutlery or utensils or like necessary household items is you don't have to buy them. That's oh, the yeah. real gift, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I can I can still spend my money on like video games and films and like food. I don't have to yeah. just buy like a bowl, like a pasta bowl. No, and that's well, my budget for the week. The thing with my, with the lamp, I've been I've needed a second lamp in my room since I like moved into the house. Right, and I had my eye on one during lockdown, which I never bought. Mm. And then I was talking to my dad on the phone, and he was like, "Well, I could just get it you for Christmas." And then I was looking, I was like, "Ah, oh, I can get it on Prime." And then he was like. Right, well, I'll pay you, I'll give you the money, and that can be your Christmas present. So the yeah. lamp arrives on Saturday, I'm just oh. getting it now. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've, like, screwed him out of money, um, <laughs> but I've got my Christmas present early. Which does just mean, though, that when Christmas rolls around and all I've got is a wok to open from him, it'll be a little <laughs> depressing, but uh, less to carry back on the the, uh, the train yeah. coming home. And also you'll be, oh, right, I was going to say, and you'll be able to see it, because you'll have two lamps, so you'll be able to see the presents, <laughs> yes. but if you're going to the thing, um, then it's different. So yeah, it, it's, it'll be quite nice to have a second lamp, but it is, it is stupid that it, it literally came up a conversation, I was like, I need another lamp, and yeah. we were just, we, he was on Amazon, and I was on Amazon, we just had, were on the phone together, and then he was like, well, would you want this? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what like, was a, power games. No, the yeah, yeah, power games. Uh, yeah. It was the shop in Pontypridd, and I was. It was around the time that the PS3 had come out, and I don't think I'd seen anything regarding the PS3 at this point because I was. When would that have been? Like two thousand and seven. I don't know where the internet was that was at at that point, but I was certainly not plugged into 
video games the same way I am now. Mm. So I knew there was a new console coming. I didn't know anything about it, but I walked in. Um, and Power Games was great because they had games from every single generation. You know, they had PS3 games, but they had just as many like Nintendo 64 games and PlayStation yeah. 1 games. So it was a haven for for gaming. And I think they did like Magic the Gathering stuff as well. So it was genuinely like all corners That's, of gaming yeah, covered, yeah. you know. Um, but I walked in and they had this massive display for the PS3. And whatever the current Gran Turismo game at the time was, I think it was Gran Turismo 5 was playing on the screen and it looked real it yeah. looked like photorealistic i was like that can't that's re- that can't be that can't be the ps3 and that's why i think that's the biggest generation jump because even uh, like uh, now i remember seeing gran turismo 5 and thinking that's just insane i can't, i don't know how they did that you know yeah um but where, where were we at you, you so nintendo 64 it was goldeneye for you yes and then your next console was PS2. Yeah. Okay. For me, it was PS1. So I'll say mine to catch up to you. So we're yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. point. Because that's, that's one of the problems as well. We realized that we only have like two consoles in common. <laughs> so in terms of like which generations we played, we're like all over the place. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, because like, I, yeah, I went from PlayStation to Xbox to PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Whereas I've like rigidly stuck to. I did play Xbox 360 for a little bit. Um, mm. And then I was bought a PlayStation 3 by my dad, I think because it was his Xbox 360 and he was sick of me playing it. Yeah, that's it. So sense. he bought me the PS3 and I was like, I'm I'm flattered, but I don't think I'm really going to... I've already got the Xbox, so I'm not going to play the PlayStation as well. And I've got like more PlayStation 3 games than anything else. They take yeah. up like two whole shells, you know? Um, but yeah, PS1, I think it's probably the first Spyro for me. Yeah. I know, like, the third Spyro, everybody loves the third Spyro, and the third Spyro is good, but there's always, like, a point in the third Spyro where I, I, I don't lose interest, I just stop playing. It's usually around the point where you... Have you played Spyro 3? I think so, yeah. You know, It's so. the one where you're playing... You don't just play Spyro, you play as, like, the kangaroo, you play as the penguin, there's, like, yeah. different characters. It's usually yeah. the point you get to the penguin, Sergeant Bird. Okay. Whenever I get yeah. to that point, I'm just... I, like, stop playing. Not, I don't lose interest, I'm just, like, I'm sort of done with it now. Whereas Spyro 1, I've completed, like, countless times, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. I mean, like, when it when it does come to, like, those sort of games, uh, and, so, well, certainly games of, like, that time, I, th- I feel like, we, like, with the PlayStation 2, there are some games, like, I, w- I completed the Star Wars Revenge of the Sith game, I don't know how many times, for PlayStation mm-hmm. 2. And I don't particularly like it, it was just a game I completed a lot. Right. So I think something. I think I liked late like lightsaber battles, and that's probably all it was. Maybe I think there uh, was certain when when you're at that age. That well, I mean, how old were you when you had that game? Were you like young, or was it a little bit older? Uh, I can't remember when it came out. Okay, well, it was PS2, I, so I would assume that you're at the very least younger than you are now. I think that's yeah, a safe oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. My, well, my dad was still in his old house at the. Uh, uh, old house at the time, so right. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 probably no older than ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like when you're at that age, you sort of play whatever you've got. You know, yeah. like now nowadays, that's less and less the case. You put you put a game in, and if it's not grabbed you, I, it's the same with me. If it's not grabbed me in like the first hour or so, or first couple of hours, I just lose interest in it. I've got, I think it's Control. 
yeah, Control on PS4, which is like this really cool looking game, and the gameplay seemed pretty appealing. So I bought it like not long after it came out. I played it for like an hour, just haven't gone back to it. Mm. Like it's not. I don't hate it. I will get back to it one day, but it just, I, it just hasn't grabbed my attention. So I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to play it anymore. But like for PS2, for example, one of the games that I played like so much when I was younger was Cars, Disney Pixar's Cars. <laughs> I put hundreds of hours into Cars. Why? I couldn't play it now. I genuinely yeah, why? Play it now. It's so like. Yeah, I think you just, like, you play what you're given, and you just mm. put up with what you're given, you know? I mean, my favourite... If we're moving on to PS2... Yeah, yeah. Um, are we doing, like, console exclusives, or are we doing, uh, like, multi-platform games? So if the game came out on more than just the PS2, it doesn't qualify. Uh, well... Uh, well, how... It depends what your example is. I was going to say, my favourite game is that I played on the PS2 is Sonic Heroes because it's my favorite game of all time. Mm. But it came out on like Xbox and it came out on the GameCube and the PS2 version is universally considered to be the the worst version of the game. Like it doesn't genuinely it doesn't run <laughs> I, properly. Uh, keep it in that's even better. That's <laughs> it better. genuinely doesn't run it. properly on the PS2. It's so much like you've got frame rate issues, the sound design is so much worse, the controls while not great in Sonic Heroes, they're even worse on the PlayStation 2. But the point I was going to make is that, like, because you play what you're given, you kind of learn to play around a game's problems. Mm. So I'm pretty sure if I was to, like, put Sonic Heroes in front of you right now and say, like, right, play it, you'd probably struggle with the controls and, like, getting used to the sense of, like, um, the weird sense of momentum the game has and the fact that it's, like, some parts are too slippery, some parts are too like tight to control. It would probably like take you a while to get used to it. Probably it would probably take you longer than you were willing to put the time into, if that makes sense. Yeah. That was a weird sentence. I don't know where that was going. I knew it then. Yeah. Um but because I played it when I was younger, I played around the problem. I think mm. jank concession is the word that Sam came up with. I think it was a previous Sam's lexicon. Yeah, the jank concession. The jank concession, yeah. You just put up with the game's problems because, well, this is what I'm playing right now. Yeah. You know? um, so that definitely feeds into why Sonic Heroes is a game that I... Because it's a game I can play. Mm. Most people would struggle to play Sonic Heroes if they're coming to it for the first time today, whereas I can play it. So, you know, I've put my time in. So yeah. that's why I feel like I can call it, you know, one of my favorite games. Well, my favorite game. Um, because if we're going on console exclusives, then probably Shadow of the Colossus, I think, is my favorite PS2 game. I don't know about have you ever played Shadow of the Colossus? No, oh, I highly, highly recommend it. It's actually they did a full blown remake on the PS4. Okay, and there's there's like some people are a bit like back and forth on whether it's a better like we're talking graphically now. Some people are like, oh, the PS2 version is better. It's not the PS4 version is better. Mm. There's like a weird um, there's like a haze to the PS2 version that's not present in the PS4 version. Okay, and I think people prefer that hazy like mistiness mm. because it sort of helps build the sense of mystery that the world has. Yeah, but in terms of just like the game performing properly, the PS4 version is so much better. For one thing, when you're scaling a Colossus, 
the game doesn't run at like five frames a second, which mm. the PS2 version does occasionally drop to. Um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. just so bad, but I just break. <laughs> but no, it's genuinely it's a fantastic. Like I think it's one of the very few games that I would genuinely, unironically call a masterpiece. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's got technical problems. And in that respect, it would be difficult to call it a 10 out of 10. But I think it genuinely, it, in terms of, like, the idea of the game and the way they, they went about executing it, I think it's kind of flawless. There's nothing wrong with Shadow of the Colossus. It does mystery mm. better than most forms of media, I think. Ambiguity, I should say. It does ambiguity better than a lot okay, of yeah, forms yeah. of media. This is a conversation that I'm sure we've had about like films and TV. But um, so sometimes when a film or a TV show employs ambiguity, it can feel like it's sort of pasting over a lack of context. I don't know mm. if you felt that when you're watching a show. So, for example, um, like if they if um, a character's backstory is being kept ambiguous, sometimes it feels like they couldn't be bothered to write a backstory, so they're just going, "Oh, it's mysterious," but yeah, it's no, not. Yeah. I mean. yeah, exactly. But like with Shadow of the Colossus, for example, uh, the setup of the game is that you are this warrior who's part of this tribe, and you've taken this woman who has been killed by... She was sacrificed. You've taken her to these like mysterious lands where you've learned that there is a beast that can bring people back to life. But in order to awaken the beast, you have to kill the 16 colossi that roam the land. They kind of through killing them, the beast will reawaken. But it doesn't... Um, in terms of your relationship to the woman, it's never actually been made clear like who she is. You don't know if she's your sister, you don't know if she's your girlfriend, you don't know if she's like... I've, see, I've even seen theories saying that this is the woman that you have killed, and the whole reason you're doing this is out of a sense of guilt rather than a sense of uh, righteousness. And that's what I mean by it does ambiguity better than anything else because it keeps a lot of details ambiguous, but it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter what your relationship to that woman is. The point is that you are, um, it's clear that you want her to come back to life. It's clear that this is the goal that we are trying to achieve. So, yeah. details kind of don't matter. And in that sense, it's sort of, um, the game is sort of improved by giving you less information because you can fill in the blanks yourself. So, yeah, like, I would absolutely recommend Shadow of the Colossus. On a gameplay level as well, it's so unique. Like, that yeah. game came out in 2005. There's basically no game since that's like Shadow of the Colossus. Like, Dark Souls came out in 2011. Yeah. And now it feels like most video games that come out are trying to replicate certain mechanics of Dark Souls. Yeah. Or they're trying to do their own version of Dark Souls. Shadow of the Colossus, there's like maybe one in mm. the last like 15 years because it's yeah. so well put together and it's so like, like I don't know how they got it on the PS2. It's so like uh, well made that mm. I don't think anyone is able to make a rip off of Shadow of the Colossus. Like it's that well put together. So, fair. Yeah, no, I, I, I not just to you, but to the audience. I mm. couldn't recommend Shadow of the Colossus well enough because it is—it's basically just like, um, like a boss rush, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You're in this world, but there's nothing in the world. The world is completely barren. 
the game is basically the game tells you to go kill a colossus you have to travel through this empty world to the colossus nothing happens there's no music there's you're just like left alone with your thoughts and then you get to the colossus and you've got to kill it and you've got to like it's not just a matter of like oh i have to shoot it or i have to like you know wear down its weak points there's almost like a puzzle element to it mm -hmm. so for example um we will move off. I don't know if this is like interesting to anybody. We will move off. Ah, it, I promise. Fuck it. I, I don't give a shit, mate. This is indulgent for us. Fuck okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I love you all, listeners. Um, but we're having a fun moment to fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but fuck you. We're doing what we want. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's the ninth colossi. So, for example, when you encounter the ninth colossi, it's in this arena where there are like geezers shooting up from the ground. Yeah. What you have to do because you can't like damage the colossi at all. So in order to damage it, what you've got to do is you've got to sort of bait it onto the geezers mm -hmm. where it'll sort of be thrust up in the air. Then you've got to shoot its feet so that it will tip over so that you can reach its underbelly and then you scale it up to the head and then you can damage it. So it's almost like this, like, the part of the battle is figuring out how to use the environment to your advantage, you know? This, this just sounds to me like trying to beat the end dragon in Minecraft on, like, god mode. I've no idea. I've never played Minecraft. I've no idea if it's an appropriate. I'll assume. I'll give well, you so, the benefit of the doubt. Well, I was just saying. So the thing in Minecraft, uh, you ha you get to a point where you go to the end and there's an Ender Dragon. Yeah. And there there are like beacons, and you have to take the beacon. You can like try and shoot it, but it'll it will obviously attack you. Yeah. Um, and then you have to like try and get the beacons out, and then get it to rest, and then you can only shoot it at certain points, and actually right. okay. do damage. So just remind you of that. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. Go go buy it. PS2, PS4, it's up to you. Just buy it. It's definitely worth your time. Fair. What um, about you? What's your PS2 best of PS2? Um, to, to, PS2 is a difficult one for me mm. because I have three games in mind. Uh, for what three different th three things for different reasons. Okay. In terms of the game that I play, well, certainly have played the most, uh, it is from Russia with Love, the James Bond game. Oh, okay. Came in 2007. Okay. A big fan of that. Um, just because Sean Connery, you know, is his voice. Mm. Um, the game's a lot of fun. Obviously, it does take bits from like Goldeneye and Thunderball, uh, Goldeneye, mm. Goldfinger and Thunderball. Right. Um, so I am, I am a fan of that game. It does. Con the PlayStation 2 is responsible for, in my opinion, the best Sims game that's ever come out. In Which one's that? It was the, well, the second Sims came out on okay. uh, PS2. Okay. And I think that is by far and large the best version of The Sims. I think it's better than The Sims PC versions. Okay. Um, but the other game I, pro I spent a lot of time playing was Need for Speed Carbon. Right, and okay. I've heard of that one. I've heard quite, of The Sims as well, in fairness, but... Quite possibly, uh, there's a Canadian actress, uh, Emmanuel Vauger, who uh, is in it. She's all right. She's not, she's not bad to look at. Um, and right, I think, okay. And I think young me was like, oof, I'll watch it just to watch her talk for five seconds. Right, okay. I um, I'm pretty certain she's playing herself. Um, and just she just like introduces certain bits of it. And it is just like, you do races and stuff like that. It's not particularly like story based or anything like that um but i i, I put a lot of hours into that okay. like it, ps2 for me involved a lot of like car games and racing and mm. sort of that kind of area 
Yeah, I think I missed the boat on the the Need for Speed PS2 games. I know that they're held in very high regard. Mm. Need for Speed Carbon. What are the other ones as well? Is it? It's not Burnout. Burnout's something else, isn't it? Burnout is something else. I did also own Burnout. Yeah. Um, is is it Most few... Wanted? Need for Speed Most Wanted. I had that as well. Yeah. Uh, there are there's a few mm. um, for Need for Speed. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, I mean, the games are much better than the film that they made of it. Yes, well, yeah, the less than um, better. That was just after Breaking Bad as well, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Aaron Paul, fresh out of Breaking Bad, and that's what he ended up in. Completely ruined his credibility. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it's made by the same people that made Burnout, to be fair. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Where are we at? Uh, I'm trying to find the ones that actually get uh, underground that came out on PS2. Right. Okay. I, also, I think maybe un- I also underground. had that. Um, yeah, maybe underground is underground. Most ones. I don't know. There are. Yeah. I think most of the need for speeds on PS2 are like, you know, still considered like yeah. peak racing game. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. I had quite a few of them, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of did more of that on PlayStation I mean, throughout all of this, FIFA does just sort of sit in the background, but it's right. such a sort of non, you know, non-consequential game to mention. Yeah, like, it's just me playing football on a game. Are you um, one of those who buy like the newer version every time it comes out, or do you just buy like a version of FIFA and that will see you through the console generation? I buy one. Uh, I used to get them not every year, uh, but certainly since i think the mid 2000s where okay. like since like F- fifa 0504 i think i think since then i've bought one maybe every 6 years okay um, right like long I, enough I, I for there I to had, be like, an actual difference between each version yeah yeah well you know you just want something new that's not yeah. boring like yeah. i purposely had uh, either fifa 17 or 18 because it had a slight story mode to it um, oh yeah to- that was weird just to play that, that was literally all I did with it, yeah. and then I got rid of it. Right. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, FIFA just kind of sits in the background as a game I play occasionally. Mm. Uh, if I had to, if I had to press you, you could only have one of those as your official favorite PS2 game. Oh, it'd be from Russia with Love. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Another it's Bond got, game. That, another Bond game. It's got jetpacks yeah. in it. Ah, right, okay. Oh, all right, oh, okay. In fairness, yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, I played James Bond Nightfire as well, um, which Brosnan's in, but it's just nowhere near as good a game. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, so from Russia with Love wins hand down. Sean Connery, you can use the golden gun in it and stuff. It's class. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Does that bring us to... Well, it brings uh, me to PS3. It brings you to Xbox, right? It does. Okay. Um, does the, did the Nintendo Wii come out before then? Um, yes. Well, it came out. I think it was 360 Wii PS3. I think that was the order. Okay. But yeah, I think they're all officially part of the same generation. Because I mean, I have a simple one for that because it's just Mario Kart, um, Mario Kart, and that's it. Oh right. Okay. Um, I think it was Brawl for me. Super Smash... No, Sonic Colors was probably my favourite Wii game. Um, but I also put a lot of time into Super Smash Brothers Brawl. But I've, uh, 
I've never played. I you know, I was gonna get Ultimate for the Switch, but mm. I don't. I don't like this whole like you got to pay to play online nonsense that video oh, games yeah, are starting no. to. Like I guess I get it. You know, it's it's expensive to host servers and everything, but the problem is we used to be able to do that for free. You used to be able to play PS3, Wii, all of those. Yeah. No subscription fees. You could just go online and play with anybody. Now you can't. So it's just yeah. It's it feels kind of pointless to buy Smash Ultimate if you're not going to do like the online stuff. No, that's sort fair. of the point of a fighting game, isn't it? That you engage with the, you play online and you fight with other people. I genuinely, I would just be fighting myself if I bought mm. it. Um, but yeah, either Sonic Colors or Brawl, I guess Colors because it's a yeah. Sonic game, and those kind of win by default, I think. <laughs> um, well, so the thing with Mario Kart was. Um... When I was in first year in halls, um, we did like Mario Kart drinking, so it became just it's like synonymous with that now. So I, that kind of has the good memories of first year minus our dumb shit that we did. So right. um, that for, it holds up just for that because that it was fun to play Mario Kart. Absolute statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, otherwise uh, Xbox and PS3. I have never. I have never, um, I mean, I've never owned a PS3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played PS3, but I, I mean, all I did was play Red Dead. Ah, right, okay. Um, which I did also own for um, Xbox. Hmm. Uh, Fallout Three has to be the winner, I guess. Yeah, you kind of can't. It kind of can't be because uh, it is my favorite game of all time. Yes. Um, yeah, I got. Uh, I don't even know how to explain my love for that game. <laughs> open world. There's different ways to play the the main plot of the story. Um, it's got the music to it. Mm. I like the armor. I like the fact that there's a boat. Genuinely, big big love for the boat. The fact that it's in a set up in a vault. Um, the fact that I am very much willing and considering spending 120 pounds on a pit boy. <laughs> right. Um, okay. On, on you literally you it's a replica pit boy you can you build and i make and you can't do anything fucking with it it would just sit on my desk <laughs> but i'm very much considering spending 120 pounds doing it why not you know why not it's not like you, you know, have to I buy mean, a lamp it, or anything you know, anymore. might be having another lockdown i might need something to do so yeah. <laughs> like i said it's not yeah. as if you need a lamp anymore you got the money yeah exactly yeah um, you know i mean in the last lockdown i got a playstation 4 and an iPad, so <laughs> this this one lends itself to wasting 120 pounds on a replica pit boy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it kind of has to be Fallout Four, uh, Fallout Three, Fallout Three. Yeah. Um, but uh, like big big shout outs to Red Dead and GTA Five. Yeah, yeah, I think that's completely fair. I should probably have decided beforehand. Because <laughs> that's probably the generation that I've put the I've invested the most in gaming wise is the PS3. Yeah. There's so much that I've played on PS3. God, I don't know. I mean, Sonic Generations and Sonic Unleashed. We'll get the Sonic games out of the way. Yeah, they're games that I like, love, and hold in very high regard for their own reasons. They're two games where I, I just can't separate them. I don't mm-hmm. know which one I prefer, Generations or Unleashed. Like it goes back and forth constantly. Um, 
what else? Split second velocity, I have a lot of love for. Yeah, that's like a racing. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I've heard the name. Yeah, it's a it's a racing game basically, but it's like, um, I guess the main gimmick is that on the track there are loads of like destructible objects. So as you race, you sort of accumulate power, mm-hmm. um, and you can activate certain power plays during the race. So if you're racing through an airport, for example, and you've accumulated enough power, you can bring down like a tower that will destroy part of the track and it will like you'll have to race through a different portion of the airport. Um yeah. and you can like bring down planes on people and it's it's incredibly like high very fast, very high octane, very like destructive racing. I I I I always go back to that for some reason. Even though, again, even though I don't engage in the online stuff anymore. Um I always go back to that. Um yeah. uh, while while we've been talking, you you just made me somehow in what you said, reminded me of the fact that um, when we were talking about PS1, I completely forgot how much love I have for Scooby-Doo in the Cyber Chase. Oh, right. Okay. A lot of love for that game. Okay. For absolutely no reason, because it was terrible. But you know, my, I think my equivalent of that is Stuart Little 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one I, I put a lot that. of time into. Yeah. Definitely. I never, yeah, never picked up. I obviously I've seen Scooby Doo in the Cyber Chase, but I never picked up the game. I don't think I knew about it until like years afterwards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't really don't know what to decide. Maybe Spec Ops: The Line. Okay. I think that might be my favorite PS3 game because for a while that was my favorite game, Spec Ops: The Line. Do you know anything about that? Not a fucking clue. I'm not sure if I brought it up on the podcast as like a part of another conversation basically spec ops the line it's this um it's sort of like a third person gears of war-esque like cover shooter that's like the foundation of the game but the sort of the thing that's really interesting about spec ops the line is it's based on joseph conrad's heart of darkness which i presume you've heard yeah yeah, yeah, it's it's the film the book that inspired uh, apocalypse now in case anyone didn't know um yeah, so it's the, the premise is Dubai has been hit by this post-apocalyptic lands, uh, sandstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this sort of platoon or like portion of the American army, they go into Dubai to sort of uh, conduct um, evacuations amongst the citizens and all contact is lost for the team. And then eventually you get like a distress call from the head of the team, who I think is called Conrad. Um and he was obviously like, you know, our operation has failed. So you play as like the leader of this three-man Delta squad. You go into Dubai with the intention of finding him and sort of conducting the um, evacuations as, as and when are necessary. But it's basically kind of like Heart of, Heart of Darkness. It is just this sort of constant descent into madness. And even though it's a third-person shooter, by the time you get to like the third half, well, the third third of the game, it's almost becoming like a horror game. And that's really interesting, is the sort Mm -hmm. of the way the narrative just keeps, it goes down and down and down and down. Everything just keeps getting worse. Um, There's like a point where, there's a couple of times where the game throws like moral choices at you, but they're all like terrible options. I think there's one moment where you have to choose between um, letting a guy burn to death or shooting him in the head. 
Like, that's the level of moral choice that you have to live... Like, that's what the game throws at you. I am a fan of the sound of that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's sort of... It's an... Like, it's as far as third-person shooters go, it's fine. Mm -hmm. There's a slight tactical element, because Spec Ops was, like, a tactical franchise on, like, PS2, PS1, I think. And this was supposed to be sort of like a soft reboot kind of thing. Um... So there, you've you've got like two guys. You've got like a sniper and like a heavy gunner who are sort of not a heavy gunner, but like a another shooter who are mm. on your team, and you can sort of give them directions in battle in terms of like go shoot this guy, go do that. But it's mainly a third person sh- shooter, and it's fine. But it's definitely like the story component. That's what's so compelling about Spec Ops: The Line. Um, there's a scene involving white phosphorus about two-thirds into the game, which is still, like, to this day, has stuck with me. It's, like, one of the best sequences in gaming. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'd recommend that. If you're into shooters as well, I think you're sort of... Yeah, it does sound like something I'd probably enjoy yeah, playing. Yeah, definitely check that out. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think probably Spec Ops The Line will be my okay. pick for PS3. Well, I suppose that I feel like this lends nicely into what I'm going to say for PS4, then. Go on. Um... Now, I will say it's not necessarily my favorite game, but I have okay. only owned a PS4 for a few months, and mm. this is one of the games that I happened to play on someone else's before I owned one. Okay. Uh, and it, I did talk about it in my dissertation, so I probably right. should go with it. Go on. And that is Until Dawn. And Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Now, the thing Sorry. with Until Dawn, that if, for people that don't know... Until Dawn is a uh, branching dialogue systems-based game, mm. which legitimately has a forty thousand words, uh, forty thousand page script. Yes, because yeah. it has all the different ways you can play it. Because you can kill everyone, you can keep everyone alive, basically within reason. Um, and you know, it's obviously a horror game. Um, confused the fuck out of me when I. Realized that Rami Malek was a real person. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sort watching, of a um, uh, watching Mr. Like Robot a... for the first time and seeing Rami Malek, and I was like, "That's the guy from the game. What is going <laughs> on?" See, for um, me, it was Night at the Museum. I'd seen Night at the Museum first, but then I watched Mr. Robot and I went back to Night at the Museum, where he's yeah. basically like this nice guy. It's like, oh fuck, what? I only clocked that it was him in Night at the Museum when I looked up. His filmography. Yes. Had no idea. Hadn't noticed. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, yeah, uh, Until Dawn, it's like a teen slasher movie, right? That's mm-hmm. the sort of the thing that it's um, taking inspiration from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I'm, I'm going to go with that purely because otherwise, realistically, my answer for PlayStation 4 is probably going to be Fallout 4. And right. if I go from this list with two James Bond games and two Fallout games. It's extremely <laughs> boring. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say that, yeah, um, Until Dawn takes it just because I'm a fan of the idea and the script that comes with it and the fact that they put that much kind of effort into uh, the gameplay. And like, there are moments where you literally do need to put the controller down in order to avoid someone getting killed. And yeah. I do quite like that. Okay. Um, What's the quality of the writing like? I feel like, in general, video game writing is starting to get a bit better. Um, but yeah, what's the sort of quality of the writing? Um, like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, you know, I mean, it's not highbrow writing. Mm. Um, but it, you know, I, I think it's good for the kind of... Because, yeah, it's, it's trying to portray a teen slasher 
film in the game. So I, I think it suits that kind of uh, idea. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say it's bad dialogue, and they obviously spent a lot of time working on it. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I am a fan of the idea of branching dialogue systems. Like you get them in the Fallout games, so yes, of course, um, yeah. not to the same kind of extent. Like it, it is different, but the fact that you have the multiple options, um, yeah, it does it does make sense. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's bad writing at all. Okay, um, obviously the, the 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 game looks nice. Yes, obviously it's a kind of cinematic style game, really. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, big fan of that. Okay, but I think I'm gonna have to say that because i ha- yeah my game otherwise yeah because i've played gta 5 which came out on the xbox um, yes so i can't say that um i can't say the sims 4 because okay. i mean i use the sim 4 these days just to build houses look look nice <laughs> right so, okay so i'll what say is it with you because didn't you say like ages ago you watched like youtube videos about like tiny houses i do yeah I yeah, doc- I do. I watch documentaries on tiny houses all the time. What's what's that about? This this fascination you have with houses. Where's this where's this coming from? Do you know honestly? Uh, when I was younger, there was a part of me that really wanted to be an architect. Oh, okay, that's yeah. Um, I should have expected I, that answer. Uh, <laughs> honestly, yeah, no, legit, yeah, legit. I, there was a part of me that really wanted to be an architect. Um, and I will like in terms of like the film side of things. I used to really like the idea of set design. I'm just not good enough at designing. Right. or graphics for anything like that okay All right. um yeah like that side of things used to fascinate me when um when i was in college and we did jerusalem i i drew up the floor plan for like half our station okay All right. um so yeah uh, there is a there's a real thing i mean i am just fascinated with tiny houses because i think <laughs> well because i look like look around and i look at how much space that i like to use in a house hmm and I, yeah, I want to live in a house which is literally, you know, probably as far as the wardrobe is, you know, sort of long. Right. And I'm like, just none of it would fit. Like, I, don't, <laughs> like, I don't know how I do it, but I, the idea of that challenge is really interesting to me. Okay. All right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's weird. just going to know I'm a weird dom that likes tiny houses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. We're no, going to start sending you, like, listings for tiny houses, you know. Like, uh, here's one. Here's one. But yeah, no, yeah. it's fair. I probably would have done something design based if I was good enough at like art and stuff at school. Okay, all right. But I, I, I can't even draw a tree for. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can. For people's to... understanding, oh. I can design a poster for like okay. a play and stuff, and use base simple stuff on that. But if you asked me to draw a tree in a pencil, I would spend like six hours doing it, and it would still look terrible. Right. Okay. Um. But yeah, back to games. Back to okay. games. Yeah, no, I, f- I feel like even if you... As you said, you haven't played many PS4 games. But I feel yeah. like even though you haven't played many, Until Dawn is still considered to be one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Like, you still seem to have stumbled across one of the... A game that I think a lot of people would say is, like, a good yeah. PS4 game. It's something that I've never really... Like, I, I'm, I'm curious about it. Yeah. But I'm so sceptical when it comes to, like like heavily narratively driven video games. Mm. I feel like that like The Last of Us kind of ruined that for me a little bit. I never got through The Last of Us. I bought it like day one. I was excited to play it. 
immediately like i was only like a like an hour or two in and i declared like oh yeah this is gonna be one of my favorite games i know it is um but i just never finished it no I, and like what the new god of war as well god of war 2018 that came out on the ps4 that's more like now i know it's not quite until dawn because until dawn is literally like a a string of cutscenes where there are occasionally like button prompts and yeah uh some very restricted movement in there whereas god of war is a third person melee dark soulsy kind of game that has a lot of story on top of that um but yeah i'm just i'm just exhausted by that sort of thing so but you you would would you recommend until dawn uh, yeah speaking? i I, w- I would i think it's a fu- it, you know once you've played it you probably wouldn't care mm. but yeah it's, it's something fun to play i mean no one else buys a PS two uh, PS four like three years after it comes out, other than me. Um, I, I I wait a while. Like the PS five, there obviously that's coming out this year as of time of recording, and that's when I bought a PS four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, I I tend to wait two or three years into a console's life cycle to actually buy it because then there's games for it. Yeah, there's that's very true. few I mean... consoles that have come out where the launch games alone have been enough incentive to buy the console. I, I can't think... really think of any. Xbox or PlayStation, I can't really think of any like launch titles where I'm like, yeah, I would be disappointed if I wasn't able to play those, you know? Well, I was say, I think the thing with the PS5, the fact that it's launching with GTA 5. Yeah. <laughs> it's which launched telling, on it? Xbox and PlayStation 3. Like, yeah, it's definitely telling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, we, we all know they are working on GTA 6. It's not like it's hidden. We all know no, they're doing no. it. It's just they're clearly trying to figure out how the fuck they do better than GTA Five. Yeah, like what the hell else do you put? Yeah, not not just like when you look at GTA Five, but when you look at Red Dead Redemption Two. Like we were at a point oh, yeah. where, you know, the horses would shit themselves randomly. Yeah, like if a game, like they were po- like as well, um, bodies would decompose after you shot them. Mm-hmm. Like if you left them for long enough, the bodies would literally start to decompose. Yeah, where the hell do we go next? Genuinely, no, I know. What the hell do you put in a in a game now? Um, to go back to until 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 dawn, until <laughs> dawn. Yeah, briefly. How is that game structured, like narrative wise? Is it sort of put together like a like a film, like a play? How is it sort of? Fit um, to, how does it fit together? Have you uh, not completely? But have you done Bandersnatch on Netflix? But I know okay. how it works. Yeah, um, I'd say similar to that. I suppose like you'll you'll meet a character. Like options will show themselves. Uh, there are little like totems you can look at. There's like things like that. Each you which uh, totems are interesting because um, you might see a cutscene from later on, but it's not necessarily a cutscene that uh, you know you'll see like a moment, but it won't necessarily be a moment that. You will follow. You it's like a scene you can avoid. Okay, all right. Because um, okay. obviously, like the whole thing is, it follows like the butterfly effect uh, idea. So if um, there's a bit where you can choose to like shoot a bird, um, if you shoot a bird, that starts a character off on a certain journey. If you don't shoot the bird, it starts them off on a different journey. Um, okay. Like you can, you know, you can go uh, take two characters off into a cabin and whatnot, and then. You know, you can sort of control everything that really sort of goes on in there. But it is, uh, you know, you're controlling the dialogue, all the act, like other than like looking around for totems, 
all the like moving around uh like uh, you know other than trying to find like little things like it is all controlled so like if you're going to shoot the bird and the gun like the, the guns there like you have to choose like it'll come up as an option of shoot the bird it's that simple right okay um in terms of the uh the script itself though because like i said to you it, it's it's sort of like basing itself on slasher movies that's yeah, the yeah. inspiration going into it does it uh, does the script feel like it's trying to mimic i don't know how to describe it i guess like the structure of it does it feel like if you were to take the gameplay elements out does it feel like a slasher movie i think i, I think yeah you'd be you'd feel like you were following a teen slasher yeah okay all right so I was thinking about this the other day, like why I'm so done with like narrative games like God of War. I mean, God of War is a bad example because that's the original three God of War, which I, I recommend those if you haven't played God of War. God of War 1, 2, 3, they're like great. Um, I but can't remember so... if I played them. Well, if you had PS2, you might have played the first two. The third one was PS3 only, so I, you probably wouldn't have played that. Um... But yeah, like they're so yeah. different. The game, the, the the type of game they are is so different. God of War is like a character. I think the the genre is now called character action games. So they're basically like you know, um, very fast paced, very fluid combat where you sort mm. of build combos and you know, there's this whole horde of enemies you have to take out, like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta, those types of games. Um, and Kratos, despite being a very angry character. He's a, like he's very elegant to control. The the gameplay of God of War is incredibly fluid and smooth, whereas the new God of War it's so much slower, and it feels like they've tried to make him feel weightier. So the the right. gameplay is a lot more like clunky and sluggish. Oh, but on top of that as well, God of War, like surprisingly, given that it was so gameplay focused, there was like decent story to it, and they mm -hmm. they handled the story like decently. Whereas in the new God of War, like, story is front and center. That's, like, all that matters. They do this weird thing where they try and... They do the whole game in a way that it looks like it's filmed in one take. So all of the cutscenes and the gameplay, there's no, like, cuts in the cutscenes. And there's no... It's a smooth transition between cutscenes and gameplay. I'm a fan of a one take. So the whole game is one take, except for when you die. Because obviously they're going to have to go put you through loading screens. And not only is that like, that's an incredibly likely thing to happen because again, the game is sort of aping Dark Souls. So it's incredibly difficult combat. So you are going to die. Yes. So the one take thing doesn't hold up. Because mo apologies, because most people mm. um, are going to die. So they're going to compromise the whole one take thing. Um, that's just, but I'm a fan of a one, of a one take. I mean, I'm a, you know, Birdman as a film. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the things I like about 1917, whether I like the film or not. Yeah. I, I like no, I, the style I, of I, I, credit, I credit the way they did it, because a lot of that game is motion captured as well. So in a way, it is done like 1917, where it is sort of filmed and they stitch together the seams to make it look like a one take. Mm. And it's, it's sort of well choreographed. It's a very well choreographed game. I won't take that away from it. Um, but I think the problem... I think the problem is that a lot of the games like The Last of Us, like God of War, that are very narratively driven, they try and they're clearly like aping off movies. They're trying to be films. 
Yes. Because the story of The Last of Us is, you know, you are a father who lost the, the first one now. You're a father who lost his son, uh, his daughter, sorry. Um, and then this sort of zombie apocalypse happens and you f- meet this girl who is immune to the zombie virus and you have to travel with her across America to take her to this facility where they're going to develop a cure. Yeah. So the game is you are stuck with this girl who obviously you don't like. I mean, she's got a bit of an attitude anyway, but obviously she reminds you of your daughter that you lost. So there's this like unwillingness on the character's part to want to bond with her. And then as the journey progresses, obviously they form a connection. Very cinematic story. Yes. It's a thing, something you've seen in films loads of times before. Similar thing with God of War. Like at the beginning of the God of War 2018, uh, Kratos' wife dies. Right. Uh, and you have a son, and it's very clear that Kratos. The, the, it's very clear that the mother is the glue that held that family together because Kratos doesn't get on with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the uh, the premise of the game is you have to go to the the tallest mountain in all of the realms to scatter her ashes. So the whole game is you traveling to the place where you're going to scatter the mother's ashes. So again, it's very similar. It's like you know. You and this child are going on this journey together. You don't get along, but through the trials and tribulations, you will eventually get along. Yes. Like, over the course of a film, that story, uh, it takes about two and a half hours for that story to unfold. Over a game, that story is going to take about, like, 16 or 18 hours. Mm -hmm. If you're good at it. Like, if you're bad, it could take even longer. And if you're going to indulge in the side activities, it's going to take even longer than that. Yeah. I think that's what I don't like about it because it's the same type of storytelling, but it's just mm. extended unnecessarily. You know? Have you ever played the Telltale games? I no, I haven't played them. Okay. Um, I know that The Walking Dead, uh, at least the earlier seasons of The Walking Dead, are held in high regard, aren't they? I'd, I'd say yeah. I mean, one and two, I think, are definitely better than the other two seasons. Yeah. Um. One in particular, I'm a big fan of. I, okay. you know, I mean, I, if I was gonna, because I've considered buying. You can buy all four now for PlayStation Four. I have considered buying all four. Mm. Um, but yeah, one I was a big fan of. I mean, like it's game. Like the controls were a bit of a pain in the ass in one. Like two's a bit better to play. Yeah, controls. Yeah, but they look because they've got that sort of comic style. But, yes. Um. In a game. I love the look of them. Okay. Um, and obviously, as a fa- someone who was a fan of orig- well, a fan of early Walking Dead and is a fan of the comic of Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am a big fan in that regard. Um, it is very funny because you meet in in the game. Obviously, you meet certain characters which do cross over into the TV series, and you're like, um, you don't look like the person I'm used to seeing on TV. <laughs> yeah. You are not Herschel. You are not Glenn. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's quite interesting. Just having like, yes. those two characters um, sort of cross over. Mm. Um, like, they did a version not on, like, a mini sort of series of episodes on Michonne, which was also quite interesting to play. It was quite interesting to give her a backstory. Okay. Because um, in the TV series, you don't really get that. Mm. So it was quite an interesting like little thing to be like, oh, I'm going to go play this and see what they're giving for her backstory. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. Okay. Um, I, I kind of wished, when they announced they were doing that, I was like, 
okay, it'd be quite cool to sort of see what else you do with like other ones, but they never bothered. Yes. Um, I think those so- are slightly better because, I mean, they're called episode one, episode two, episode three. Like it, it's structured more like a TV series, isn't it? Yes. I think it's yeah. more like a, yeah, it's more like a TV series. To bring Persona 5 back into the mix. Yep, let's go for, a little for it. Bit. I should say, like, I'm not, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. The only reason I'm bringing it up so much is because it's what I'm playing at the moment. It's at the yeah. forefront of my, that's what my attention is focused on. It's fine. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that, like, when I'm finished with it and time has passed on, I'm not going to go back to it. It's just going to be one of those games that I played at one point. Yep. But it's the thing I'm playing now, so it's the thing that I'm bringing. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because I feel like that works because that feels like it's structured like a TV show. Mm-hmm. Again, like the game is, I'm in like my 90th hour of gameplay. I think I'm on the final portion of the game now because I defeated what was very clearly the final boss because the yeah. game was just throwing up all of these red flags. Like this is the final boss. If you have anything left to do, do it now. And all of the characters were like saying goodbye to me. And it's like, right, this is clearly the final boss. And I killed him. And the game has just sort of kept going. It was like, okay, this is interesting. I wonder what the hell's going on here. Um, but the premise of that game is that you basically conduct a series of heists with your schoolmates. So, like, mm-hmm. every single heist, um, a new character is sort of brought into the fold, or it focuses on a character that has previously been brought into the story. Yeah. So that they feel like episodes of a TV show. So it feels more uh, appropriate to sort of be in that world and with those characters for a hundred hours, as opposed to Kratos and his son, where it's like, okay, we're twenty hours in. I know you're going to start getting on soon. Why are you still throwing up like hurdles that you have to, you know, over t- over the course of like a two and a half hour movie, this kind of story can sometimes get a bit grating. But this is we're in our like twentieth hour of gameplay now. There isn't yeah. really anything else to to substitute it. Whereas with like Persona Five and uh, with Telltale games, it's like no, no, we're doing like episodes. It's it's more like yeah. a yeah. This is more a world that has multiple stories within it rather than one story that we've just dragged out for so long. You know. Yeah. Just to briefly cross into TV. Okay. And I feel like we might bring this up properly when we return for next week's episode as a trio. Yeah. Um, Dexter's coming back. Dexter's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch Dexter when it was on? No. Right. Oh, you didn't? I've, oh, okay. All right. I've seen very little of Dexter. I've seen, I have seen some, but I've seen very little. But also, I know you're watching it. And I was just like, oh, ah, yeah. we should definitely have a proper chat about something. No, definitely. Like, I'm now in the bad part of Dexter, like, definitively the bad part of Dexter. I watched the first four seasons, and they were genuinely great. Like, I will yeah. buy those seasons of television. I think I've said to you, like, there's two things that I really, really like about Dexter. Mm. The first thing is it feels like they have a collection of characters that really work for storytelling. Yeah. Because there's loads of like interpersonal relationships that kind of clash with each other. So, for example, in the earlier seasons, at least, you've got like Dexter and his sister, who obviously get on, but then you've got the police or the lieutenants of that team who hates the sister but likes Dexter. So you've got yeah. conflict there. And then you've got like this uh, detective who is suspicious of Dexter and hates him and doesn't trust him, but he's really fond of Deborah, 
the sister, so they get on, and then you've got like all of these like different relationships that are sort of stacking on top of each other mm-hmm. in a way where it feels like it makes sense that there's conflict, but it doesn't make sense. Like it makes sense that these people would get on with each other, you know? Yeah. It's not completely dysfunctional, but it's also a pretty fertile breeding ground for storytelling, for conflict. And the other thing that I really like about Dexter is the tone. I think it's got a brilliant tone that it just handles really, really well. Like it's sort of like it's very light and it's very funny and very lighthearted, but it's also very like grim and dark at times. And it seems to yeah. balance the two incredibly well. But I'm at the point now in series five where I won't spoil what happens. Because I think the ending of series four is like universally considered to be like one of the best endings of a season ever. Genuinely. <laughs> season four season itself five is just like shits on it. Like Yeah, well season five um is sort of living in the shadow of the ending of series four. Like those characters are living in the shadow of what happened as well. So everyone's kind of miserable and everyone's just kind of dealing with this new status quo. So -hmm. that tone is gone. And also a lot of the characters that were creating interesting dynamics and conflicts are gone as well. Or they've like made amends with each other. So the two great things about Dexter, in my opinion, at least other than like, you know, they're obviously the performances and stuff are great. But the two things that were really elevating that show above everything else are basically gone in series five. And it just uh, gets worse from there. And the ending of Dexter as well, series eight ending, is awful. So well, whatever this mini whatever this mini series is going to be. Well, it's ten episodes, isn't it? So it's ten episodes, yeah. But I can't imagine it's gonna come up with a worse ending than series eight. Like it's gonna have to be really, really shit. To be a worse ending than the ending of series eight. Well, time will tell, I suppose. Time, yeah, time will tell. But uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm interested. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see where they go with it. The, um, I guess it is a bit of a spoiler, but Dexter's sister wouldn't be able to return in the miniseries, which is yeah. a bit of a shame because she was genuinely one of the best things about that show. Um, she was like the heart of the show, you know. So yeah. for her to not be in it, that's going to be a genuine loss. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll yeah. see. We'll see where it goes. Fair. Yeah, I just wanted to cross that because I knew you would. Uh, you you've been watching Dexter. Yeah. Um, did you say your favorite game for the PlayStation Four? I didn't. Uh, it's probably tricky one actually. Um... It might be Thumper. You've mentioned Thumper to me before. I've mentioned Thumper to you before. It's a... What's the word they came up with? Rhythm violence. It's a rhythm violence game. Um, It's basically... It's a rhythm game. Um, But it's... Like, completely unique within the genre. You're basically like this little... Space beetle, I guess. And you're basically like hurtling down this like track mm-hmm. um as this really like industrial almost creepy music is playing um and it's like a rhythm game where there are like plenty of obstacles that you have to certain b- yeah. button inputs will allow you to traverse certain obstacles but it's so like i don't know it's again it's 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 kind of like doom where it's such a cathartic experience because it's sort of i don't know I don't know, Eddie. It's just very, very good. I like it a lot. 
I like the style and the music and the tone of it, and it's just yeah, yeah it's incredibly cathartic. And it's incredibly fun and fulfilling, and yeah, that's one. That's actually apart from Doom Eternal, that is my go-to. Like, I just need something to like, you know. Yeah, I just need a game that's fun and that's cathartic and that I can play for like twenty minutes. And Thumper is the one. It's since I played it, it's that's my go-to game. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So probably Thumper. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was saying I don't know if you like. I could kind of do handhold, handheld. Like, okay. Uh, so you you DSs and stuff. Um. Uh, but I've only like Game Boy Color or what? No, it would have been the Game Boy Advance SP was I think the one I had. <laughs> right. Okay. Um. And I I had uh Prisoner of Azkaban on that. That was a banging game. Okay. Um. I just used to like fight the fight battles in those, which yeah. I imagine similar to like Pokemon fight battles on games. Mm. Um, yeah. But then I, I, I'm really weird when it comes to the Nintendo DS. Okay. Because I played two games more than I played anything else. One was Nintendogs. <laughs> right. Okay. And one was Brain Training. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I would lord those over any other game I played for the DS. <laughs> um, no, brain training is class. I can vouch for brain training. Yeah. I never owned a DS, but yeah, that was one of like, I knew people who had a DS and they all had brain training. So that was like yeah. one game that I played, definitely. Yeah. But yeah. Like, Nintendogs was just, it was a fun way to have a dog that you didn't actually have to care for in <laughs> yes. life. I could shut it off if I wanted to. <laughs> When's the last time you you were with your Nintendo? When's the last time you you visited um, him? Well, I sold my DS about a year ago. Right. So I haven't seen him in about a year. <laughs> uh, but thing. those were the last two games. I I still had them. I had them at uni. Yeah. Um, I do remember being bored in my room one day. Just not wanting to do my coursework and just sat playing Nintendogs not giving a shit. Yeah. Pretty sure all my housemates were at the pub watching the football and I was just like, eh. <laughs> With your Nintendo. What was his just name? Sat home what was, what was the dog's name? Uh, I named I actually named my dog after my actual the dog I used to have because I called him Charlie. Oh right, okay. Was it the same yeah. breed as well? Yep. Ah oh, right, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I bought cool. the Dalmatian version of Nintendogs on purpose. Right. Okay. I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the podcast that I used to have a dog. No, I didn't know that about you. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess I assume most people have had a pet at some mm. point, but yeah, I didn't know that you were uh, that you. Yeah. I, I still I know we had the conversation last Halloween about like dogs versus cats. Are you a dog person or a cat person? I think you said you were a dog person, but I didn't know. Oh, it, it must have come up on that actually. It must yeah. have come up on that because the reason I had a dog was to get rid of my fear of dogs. And we talked about. Oh, fear. I genuinely don't remember this. You might have, but I have no yeah. memory of this. Well, no, we. I, I know we talked about my fear of dolls. Yeah, but I feel like I would have brought up that I used to have a fear of dogs because that's why we got a dog. Okay. If not, exclusive information for yeah, literally anyone that's listening. Okay. Um, How strange. Yeah, no, I used to. I used to have proper fear of dogs. Um, didn't like them coming near me, even if they were like a cute beagle or something like that. Okay, and your parents uh, thought, oh, I know how we'll sort this out. We'll just thrust him into this we... situation where he's just going to be a dog 24-7. Yeah, and, I, and, and now I absolutely love dogs. Oh. So it worked. Okay. 
Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I can't fault there's, them. There's, there's something to the psychology there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but they got a Dalmatian, and Dalmatians are not easy dogs. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're difficult to train. Yeah. Um, they don't really follow instructions. They're cute when they're small, and then they grow massive. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was. It was, I mean, I still love my dog to pieces, but yeah, he was a pain in the ass at times because right. he grew big enough that he could jump over. We had like you know the child safety gates and stuff. Mm. Uh, he could jump over that after <laughs> a certain point. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I had Nintendo dogs for literally that reason. Mm. Um, I had a PSP, but we bought it second hand, and it broke very quickly. Right, and okay. so I only ever got around to playing FIFA on it before it broke within a month. Right, okay. I've got, yeah, I got a PSP. But I didn't, I haven't got many games for it. I think, like, Sonic Rivals 2 would probably be my favourite, but that's, like, yeah. one of six games that I owned on the PSP. <laughs> I really didn't have that many. Yeah. Yeah, handheld's something I've never really, like, ventured into. Because I was playing video games so much anyway, it'd be mm. weird to have, like, oh, I'll also have a handheld so I don't even have to be in the house. If I want to play video games, it's like mm. no, I you know I play them enough. I, I don't need a handheld as well. Yeah. Do you yeah. go in PC much? No, because that's I know that's a slippery slope. If I like if I start playing games on my PC, I won't use my PC for anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's I don't need more distractions from from like doing work and stuff. Fair. So yeah, Fair. I have a strict no policy, uh, no game policy on the PC. I Which is a shame because there's like a bunch of stuff that I, I know I've missed out on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't. I know, I know. I just won't be able to control myself when it comes to that sort of thing. No, that's, that is fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've played, I, I, I used to play, I think, Broken Sword back in the day. Okay. A broken sword, some kind of Broken Sword game. Not familiar. Uh, which was my sister's again. That was right. a PC thing. Yeah, uh, Worms. I used to play on the PC. All oh, right, okay. Big fan of Worms. Mm. I, I I purposely download the demos on every like console I buy just so I can have fun with Worms for like twenty minutes. Right. Um, big fan of Worms. Mm. Um, I download a poker game on every one I have as well. I quite like keeping up to date with poker because I used to right. play a little bit when I was younger. Yeah. So I keep up with poker. Um. But other than that, for PC, um, I had Steam for a brief period of time. Okay, all right. Um, and that I would had... be a problem as well because I know Steam do regular sales, so I would yeah. just be buying shit on sale all the time. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a game on there, and I can't remember the name of it. But it was like a border patrol thing. It was a Russian game. Oh, <laughs> um, really suspect. The papers, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of Papers, please. Yeah, yeah. I played that. I played that with someone. Um, he was in the year below me on my course. You'd know him, right? Um, but I'm obviously not going to name no, people on the yeah. podcast. Um, but yeah, I was introduced to it by him, and for some reason, thought it was fun to play. So I, it's <laughs> it's definitely not a game like. It's. It, I, I imagine it probably offended people quite easily because okay. you are just you do just sit there uh, b- patrolling a Russian border, basically. Yeah, yeah. And this weird like people get let in or not. 
I don't know how to describe it. Um, Lucas Pope, I think, is the name of the guy who did Papers, Please. He also brought out a game a couple of years ago called Return of the Obra Jin or Return of the Obra Din, however it's pronounced. Okay. Um, that game, because Papers, Please, yeah, you're playing as a Border Control guard. Yep. Um, and you have to check the documents of everybody that comes through the border and you have to make sure that they have the proper paperwork and that there's no forged paperwork. Yeah. And you have to let, obviously you let through people who have all the right paperwork and if there are people who don't or people who have discrepancies on their paperwork, then you can't let them through. No. But there's this weird like um, incentive on top of that where you get paid more money depending on how, more, how, more, uh, how many people you process. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this this sort of like, do you do it properly and get paid less or do you take the risk and just process as many people as possible? Yeah. At which point you get fined. So that's like the thing of papers, please tap my microphone. Um, and then Return of the Obra Dinn, you play as uh, somebody like basically there's this ship, the Obra Dinn, that has returned to shore and you play as this guy who has this pocket watch that allows you to see the moment that every that people died. So mm. you have because the Oberdin is I can't remember if it's Jin or Din. I'll say Din. The Oberdin has returned and all of the crew are missing. And you mm. basically have to the game is you seeing the moment that every crew member died and you have to, to like discern the identity of the crew members and how they died and like figure out like other people based on that because not everybody it doesn't tell you the people when you see them die so you have to figure out their identities and through figuring out one person's identity that gives you clues as to other people's identities Mm -hmm. so yeah lucas pope he seems to have built these games on like the idea of bureaucracy basically they don't sound fun at all but yeah there is something compelling about you know i i just have to like this game is basically i have to do this paperwork yeah, <laughs> but, but somehow. I mean, I, I'm a man that likes fun. paperwork, so it doesn't really hide yeah. much. I, I I like filling out paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're definitely um, two of the more interesting games that have come out, like in mm. in recent years. Definitely. Well, there's a um, there's a game on Steam, which is called Drug Dealer Simulator. Right. Okay. Now, I haven't played it, but I've seen people play it. Yeah. And it is really fun. Just because it, it's stupid like you literally just become a local drug dealer and you can yeah. like you know make up your own different drugs and stuff like that which is right. quite fun like you know you can mix like cocaine with like sugar and stuff and uh sell it and you can get right. people addicted and stuff you have to watch you don't kill people but okay, it, you know, yeah. it's, it's you know it's, it's quite an interesting like little you know simulator games do kind of fascinate me a little bit mm. um but yeah, like that. That I saw that sort of come up, and I was like, "What is this?" That look. <laughs> it looks quite fun. Like it kind of. It sort of did well on YouTube for a small period of time. Yes. Um. Yeah. But then, like, hasn't had an update in about. Well, I think. I feel. I think it's like six months. So it's kind of just died a little bit because it hasn't had an update. Right. Like okay. in terms of like YouTube, like games are probably like Fall Guys has dropped off completely because they took too long to do their second season. Yeah. So Among Us is now the big Donny YouTube. That is still a thing, is it? That's still, yeah. like, the thing on YouTube. Okay. Uh, yeah, still getting millions of views. 
Yeah. Because I think uh, Steve, Minecraft Steve, has now been added to Smash. Yeah. So I didn't know whether that had become the new, like, everyone's playing that now, you know? Uh, Smash, will, Smash will come back. Yes. Will. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because, um, yeah, Minecraft is due for another popular turn. You think? Well, that because Minecraft only stopped being popular on YouTube because of Fortnite. Mm. And then Fortnite died a little bit. Okay. And Minecraft had another spurt. Now, Minecraft kind of died again. Right. But something like Steve being brought into Smash is exactly the kind of thing that could put more Minecraft yeah. back as the, the night number one. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it does seem to go through phases where it's big. I mean, you know, I mean, it's obviously kids that watch most of it. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I am sub- sub- subscribed to a Minecraft channel because it's really peaceful. Get Like, what, what they do is set to, like, really peaceful music. And, mm. like, it's quite a gentle thing. It's quite... They always make things look nice. They've got, like, a nice texture on it and stuff. And it's really, like, soothing to watch before I go to bed. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm a fan, uh, right? Anyone else's these days? But I feel like Minecraft's due another big turn. Maybe, and I, yeah. you know, at some point, Among Us will die. But yeah, no, I mean, full credit to I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I knew his name. Well, like Minecraft was made by like one guy or like a very small team of people, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like I always, I I say I always like I I fully credit Scott Cawthon for the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise, even though that has a lot of, like, that can have a lot of, like, clutter around it in terms of, like, its fans and all of, like, the the tangled lore and the fact that everything is trying to be interconnected while the franchise is also trying to do its own thing. Like, that is one guy, and he has single-handedly created, like, a media empire, or, like, Mm. a, like, a, like, a, yeah, like, an empire based on this one game. Um... But yeah, Minecraft, if that was indeed one dude or just like a couple of guys, like look at what it's become. It is this oh, yeah. it's like juggernaut. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. So yeah, like full well, credit I mean, to those people. I would say Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead 2 are responsible for like Westerns being more popular each time yeah. they, cause a, they cause a rise in Westerns Yeah. in cinema, which is just mad when you think about it. Because mm. like, I mean, GTA 5 has some effect on like films that get made, but not the same way. No. But then, like, but like, Red Dead is responsible for westerns, and it's like, oh, yeah, interesting to like, sort of like, see like the little trends that come with some games. It's like pirates, isn't it? Pirates of the Caribbean brought pirates back from extinction, basically, in, oh, in the yeah. world of pop culture. No one cared about pirates until the pirate films came along. That's another game I played on the Wii. Which one? Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. You could you could swashbuckle. Uh, with your Wii remote? Uh, it wasn't that. I had... I think I had Dead Man's Chests. Yeah. If they were, if that was indeed the case. I had a Pirates game. It's not there at the moment. I don't know where it's gone. But, uh, yeah, I had a Pirates of the Caribbean game. Just because you could swashbuckle and it was quite fun standing in your living room and look like a nomad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. Is that... Uh, I would say, is there any other consoles to discuss in terms of games? Not really. I mean, I've only got a couple of games on my Switch, so I guess Cuphead would be my favourite for the Switch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I think we've pretty much covered everything that we were going to cover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how, do you, how do you think this has gone, given that we never... Yeah, hey, I think I've had a good laugh, mate. I've had a good laugh. Yeah, it's been alright, I think. Yeah. 
we'll have to let us know. Yeah, you'll have to let us know, audience, if this was of any interest whatsoever to you. Yeah. Um, I I reckon it will be. I reckon they'll like it. Well, we'll, yeah. We'll we'll see, won't we? We'll play video games anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. We don't know how many people play. Like, nobody watches our stuff. Like, only, like, one or two people watch our stuff. So, of them... Like, who plays video games? Well, so, I mean, I think of the fun dividers that have gone up before, we've had, like, 40 views on each one. Yeah. So. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe uh, this will be the one, Eddie. This will be the one. Hopefully and, so. and Sam won't be in it, so we can say to Sam, <laughs> like, go on. We don't need you anymore. Me and Eddie, we, 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 we'll, we'll take it from here, Sam. We'll take it from here. Oh, dear. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for everyone who has stayed this far in this <laughs> yes. and indulged us while we've indulged ourselves. Yes. Um, normal service will resume from next week, hopefully. Yeah, again, sorry uh, for that. I mean, we are we are possibly on uh, the cusp of another full lockdown, yeah. but um, fingers crossed everything does go according to plan. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining. Thank um, you very much. Ciao, ciao. Bye.